Yo, what's up guys and gals? Tonight's episode of Gravity Lab Radio is featuring Katie Van Lowe. Katie is a young lady I met about 10 years ago. She made her first tandem at the age of 18 and she was a little bit here and there on the drop zone over the years. She's worked in the video department. I think maybe a little bit in the gear store, but I don't I don't think much. Uh, she's been a packer. She is now a tandem instructor and getting ready to convert from the packing floor to the tandem side uh, of the business. Really nice gal. I love having girls on the show. I love uh, seeing powerful young women do their thing, and Katie is absolutely a powerhouse. Phenomenal person, phenomenal personality, and just emotionally a, a strong human being. A lot of respect and a lot of love and adoration for Katie. She also is our uh, office admin assistant. Don't really have a, a full title yet for the rating center. So she is running a lot of scheduling and behind the scenes stuff for TRC now. So she's a, a huge part of what we do with Spaceland and the rating center. Can't wait to tell her story. But tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by SSK Industries. SSK, you may have heard of them, you may have known of them. If you haven't, go. Go check out their brand new website, sskinc.com, sskinc, I-N-C, sskinc.com. They've just launched their new website. It's technology for skydivers. They uh, have very strong relationships with several manufacturers, but most specifically AirTech and Cypress, that is the people who build Cypress, and LB altimeters and all their devices. SSK is the service center and the uh, distributor for the Western Hemisphere for Cypress. They are also the service center for LB altimeters outside of Europe, so that is the majority of the world. Check out sskinc.com. You can find manuals for any Cypress uh, products. You can find uh, manuals for any of the LB Altimeter products. You can get your maintenance taken care of there. Their service portal is phenomenal, and it's still growing. The website looks gorgeous. A buddy of ours named Harold Kimball is on the front page with a big welcoming smile and a thumbs up. And uh, from there, you can find out all sorts of great information. One thing I like about SSK's website, one thing that Adam Schmucker, the, the owner, is trying to make sure he does is keep it fresh. We want to keep going back to websites because it has good information and right now there's a couple really cool uh, uh, interviews up there you can check out their blog you can see a really great interview with uh, Ryan Patrick as he's commonly known on Facebook but I think Bolahan is how you say Ryan's last name uh, there's some stuff about philosophy of reliability it's a really cool article and uh, I got the inside scoop of a couple other interviews coming up they have some really cool things on their website They've got some really great resources. Have you ever wondered how much to sell that used Cypress for? Have you ever been curious to how much that used Cypress should cost? They have that resource too. You can find out exactly how much a used Cypress should be uh, going for just by visiting sskinc.com. Go check them out. Give them a holler. Right now, the website looks phenomenal out of this world. And uh, I know just talking to Adam, it is still growing and, and the resources are going to continue to expand and explode. Check them out. They're all about skydivers. They're all about the future. They've been around for 40 years and uh, they take good care of us. I know I use SSK to take care of all my servicing needs and their customer service is, is absolutely phenomenal. But till then, enjoy getting to know Miss Katie Van Lowe. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You are listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Who has mustaches? You and Ivy? Yeah, we talked about it. <laughs>
All right, party people, we are live. It's, 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 okay, great. Let's rewind <laughs> 30 seconds from right now, and I just want to get back into what we were talking about. Okay, great, nothing. <laughs> so what we were just talking about is men growing mustaches beneath their masks. Yes. And the glory that a man must feel while unveiling his mask to the world. Yes. And your desire to do that. Yes. Who, who did you have this conversation with? I, I talked to Ivy about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that is a great reveal, right? Because I didn't know a lot of the guys that had mustaches. Yeah, like you see them surprise in the yeah. plane, and they're taking their masks off. Just no before idea they what's jump, happening. It's like, oh my god, I can't. <laughs> what happened I'm to your face now? Yeah. Okay, pause. Katie Van Lo, welcome to the podcast. Resume the mustache conversation. So, what what do you think it is about the mustache that uh, makes you want to grow makes, one? It makes you jealous. <laughs> yeah. What what part about it that seems fun to you? You just get to style it all different ways. I, 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 sh- I don't know. It. You it have hair on the top of your head. I'm pretty jealous myself. <laughs> okay. Hello. Touche. Yeah. Yeah. Toupee would work, but no, I'm not <laughs> into that. But before that, we were also discussing um, what you're going to do your first day working as a tandem instructor. You wearing a fake mustache? Can we please make that happen? Yes. Okay, Facebook. I'm sorry, but I don't see a preview of the video. What's not happening? sure if they can or cannot hear us. It says that we're live for a minute and 40, but there's no video. They're not seeing the video? I don't see it, but... So. So, sometimes that preview screen just freezes up. It might okay. be going out just like normal, okay. but I'm sure we're going we're gonna to have a kind friend who chimes in or DJ's going to load it up on his phone we right good. now. We're good. Okay. We're good. He says oh, that it's good. happening. I was going to make silly faces. <laughs> well, called me I out, mean, you but. can. <laughs> so you can, can anybody see the funny faces? <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> Does, does it feel like there are cameras in here to you? No. Yeah, me neither. Same C's. Best Aussie pie maker Aww, in Texas. Is that Jacko? Or is Josh. it Josh? It, neither one of those names exist in our vocabulary, okay. so it is not the second one. Um, it's the Don't. second one, though, oh, but I can't okay. say his name. Okay. Uh, what in the world is an Aussie pie maker? It's just like meat pies, and I made them for the boys whenever they were here. So Last they just year. eat from the gas station all day. So anybody who made them a meat pie was probably the best pie maker no, ever. No, they're like little tiny pies yeah. filled with meat. Like a chicken pot pie? Yeah. Oh. But yeah. beef. Meat pot pie. Meat. Some type of meat. But they're tiny. Yeah. And made with love. <laughs> I mean, what's special about this that I'm not going to get if I go buy a chicken pot pie from the store? Re- made with love. They're made with love. <laughs> and they're Marie Callender's chicken pot pie. Pretty, pretty made with love. Okay. I'm going to make you guys some pies. You just got to promise to eat them. Do you have any like frozen foods that are disgusting that you really enjoy? Is chicken pot pie on that list? Yeah, that would be on the list. Yeah, sure, for sure. There you, you go. What about TV dinners? You get down with TV dinners? Um, no, not really. I can eat one. I've eaten them. I'll, I'll eat them here and there if I have to. But you no, know, that's this is nourishment. So, um, I do like frozen. Like I do have a lot of uh, uh, paleo and different like carbless bowls that I have in the freezer yeah. for lunch. Like power bowls and stuff, so like maybe TV dinner that way, but no, um, dude, I, I it, here's your real answer. I fucking had a McRib sandwich today. Oh, oh my <laughs> god, I'll eat twelve of those right you now. Mean, you went to McDonald's and got an actual McRib. Fuck yeah, <laughs> extra pickle, extra onion every time. <laughs> I love McRibs. Katie, when was the last time you had a McRib sandwich? I may have been a kid. I honestly, I don't even know if I've had one. I don't think I've had one either. Like. 
It just never seemed appealing to me. All right, show's done. I'm out. <laughs> Wait, can we <laughs> rewind <laughs> and go back to how you guys were knocking on her pies without even eating them yet? Can I just say that? <laughs> I'm sure Katie made a fantastic meat pie. I just still, I, I don't understand why it's special. <laughs> Katie's losing it right now. Eating over her meat, meat pie. pie. <laughs> did I say something inappropriate? Oh, no, I did. I said eating her meat pie. Yeah. <laughs> so I recently. Oh yeah, that puts a visual in my head. I didn't get the first time. So yeah. you know, two people who have some of the dirtiest, sickest senses of humor that I know, Valerie and Katie Van Lowe. No <laughs> joke, dude. Hmm. We uh, you you make fun of us. We play D and D together, and somebody can say something, and Valerie and Katie are always the two giggling and laughing the hardest with me. I'm I'm pretty much there, but those two girls are the, the nice, quiet, innocent girls. Don't let them fool you. They're pervs, hmm. perverts. Thought we talked about keeping that secret. Nope, we're <laughs> <Okay>. done. <laughs> we're there. No, Katie just she gets the giggles, man. It's so fun. It's so fun. Um, I well, can't believe you guys play Dungeons and Dragons. It's it's a fun time. It's, it's just make believe, yeah. have a couple drinks, have a good time. Who started this idea? Who approached who and said me? All right. Yeah. Who'd you go to first? Um, Ivy knew I was getting back into playing D and D someplace else. Uh, found out she played D&D, so we started talking. Uh, Rabbit and I started talking because he always wanted to learn to play. And playing at the game store I go to or used to go to was a lot of fun, but I can't drink there. I can't swear there. There's kids. I mean, it's a really great place. I really like it, but I can't get laid back. I can't kick my feet up. <laughs> I can't get laid I can't get laid back. at the game store. <laughs> there are children watching. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, so hang on. You said learn to play. So is this a thing? Can you become good at it? Like, is are there people who yes. are really good at Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. I mean, very much skill so. wise or entertainment wise. Uh, skill wise, both. Yeah, for sure, both. Um, Katie, tell me about a good D and D player. What does it mean? <laughs> what does a good D and D player look like to you? What are they? Yeah, what, what does it mean? I don't like? uh, no, like not like physically, but oh, like okay. in the game. How does someone who's good at Dungeons and Dragons? What do they do? They they just. Commit to I don't believe it. Already you lost okay. me. Right. Commit to the character, but no. So for first of all, you're asking the person with the least amount of experience. Yeah. Almost everybody in the group is new. Uh, but commit to the game. It's just a fucking game. Um Katie. But hang on, let's yeah. say I'm real good at pretend. Yeah. How how does that make me like better at the game objectively? Like So it depends on who's playing the game. There are people who are so committed to Dungeons... Sorry, people. I know you f- hate I'm a nerd. <laughs> but uh, there are people who are committed to Dungeons & Dragons. Sorry, I'm digging on behalf of all the people who don't understand Dungeons & Dragons because yeah. I don't play it. it so we're it, trying to understand you people. It's this game, and you've got to have combat, and you got to know how combat works, and you're going to fight this dragon. And people who understand the meta or the best way to play the game, that there is a best player that way. Uh, there are other people who are committed to playing a character. Uh, I've best heard it say role-playing, R-O-L-E is what it's called, but some people are into role, dice, R-O-L-L, playing. Um, <laughs> you're going to say something about a roll. dinner roll. <laughs> <laughs> Tripping on acid, <laughs> That's rolling. the only other place we could go. No. Uh, so it really depends what makes a good player based off what type of game you like. Hmm. Our game that we play is casual. It's friendly. It's It's six, seven friends hanging out, sometimes having dinner, sometimes having snacks, almost always having drinks, just telling stories. Uh, you know how you like to break me on the show? Every yep. effing session they break me. I have sat on the floor in my dining room laughing with tears in my eyes because of something stupid Alex said or because Lou's excited. <laughs> <laughs> you know Rabbit's Dog Lou? Yep. Yeah, so 
Rabbit gets up to go to the bathroom the other night. He's like, hey, it's not my turn. I got time to go to the bathroom and let Lou out. And somebody immediately goes like, what the fuck? It's like <laughs> insinuating that Lou is his penis's name. I'm like, oh, no, he's got his dog Lou in the car as he goes out the front door. So for the next few minutes, we laugh and we joke about you thought Rabbit named his dick Lou. It was a joke. We, we talked about it. How weird would it be as dogs, whatever. And then when Rabbit comes back, I look at him and say, hey, Rabbit, how's Lou? Excited <laughs> is his answer with no clue what just happened. Uh, okay, I get it. Dude, you guys are perverts, but it's funny. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> stupid crap like that happens every game. Uh, people are telling stories. People are trying to be stupid. Uh, Alex played a stupid prank on Katie and it pissed her off, dude. And dude, it was Katie funny. gets mad. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. She's scary when she's angry. He walked home. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no, they had their own cars. <laughs> Katie's basically the Hulk. She, she is. No. So back to it, man. It's it's just what people like. It's a it's a game any way you play it. So um, do you guys play online and um like in person too? Like both things or just the roll the dice thing? We we did online during quarantine mm-hmm. yeah. when we couldn't get together. But what? it's better in person, huh? I think so, yeah. Yeah, way more mm-hmm. fun. It's a uh, it, it the, the laughter, the connection, the camaraderie, the the jokes. It, there's so many stupid jokes. There's not it's a three-hour session, and we commonly spend at least an hour of it talking about our days, just talking about like what I did at work or what's going on with my life over here. I went and traveled over there. Or the mustache that you're growing that the women can't grow. Yeah. Uh, dude, I've seen some mustaches <laughs> before, man. <laughs> that is true. I have seen some ladies with quite the mustache. Yeah. I won't name names, but... I won't either. I've been put to shame by it. Hey, (laughs) she does not have a mustache. She does not. She's a cute little girl, man. She has the first thing from a mustache. She got a baby. So, man, have you uh, seen a a talk to Ivy lately? Uh, I saw her today. Yeah, we chatted a little bit. Man, she seems so calm and put together about this pregnancy. that She's about to have a baby. I'd be freaking the F out, man. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know Ivy, they're very pregnant. And she's, I, I think, any day, sometime between now and... The fifteenth, I think. I think yeah, the next within the next week, I believe is due. But uh, DQ is sharing with me that uh, based on what the doctor said on the first appointment and what she started tracking herself before they had seen the doctor, there's a few days difference there. So I think the first doctor's appointment was like closer to the twentieth, and I think he told me the fifteenth today. But yeah, if I knew I was having a new person <laughs> joining me in the, in the next handful of days, I don't think I'd be nearly as collected as she is. Yeah, her and DQ have done really well, stayed really composed, and. Uh, been cool watching them, man. They, you, you, you can see some people have a baby and it doesn't ever change them. They're just irresponsible pricks. Some people uh, have a baby and you start immediately. DQ and Ivy, both of them, you've seen them shift gears in the last few months of like, man, I got to kind of change the way I think. I got to approach things a little bit differently. And it's been cool to watch my friends going through this process, man. Well, it's super cool. I know that you've uh, constantly touted yourself as a non-breeder. Yes. And uh, you know that I am not having kids. What about that young lady? Katie, are, we, are you going to have kids at some point? No. Tell me why. I just really don't want to have kids. But what what about it is, is it like, where's the lack of appeal? Is it you don't want to um, go through the physical part of having a kid? You don't want to go through the super drawn out uh, extensive time period to raise a kid? What is it? I think all of those things and <laughs> not wanting to pass down like bad genetics <laughs> to another human <laughs> not not personal like 
not the way a person looks, just like, I don't know. I've had, there's people in my family who've had cancer and things okay. like that, and I don't want to pass that on to a child. Okay, that makes sense. You know, I, I really wonder, so cancer is a weird thing. Like, in my life, it seems like it's a much more common thing. And it's like, is, are human beings getting cancer more often? Or have, has cancer just existed for a long time and our ability to look for it? And find it is just way better than it used to be. Mm. Or just but our awareness of it. Yeah, well. awareness that it's a thing instead mm. of, uh, you know, so-and-so died in the middle of their sleep and no one knows why. Oh, so-and-so died and the autopsy that we weren't capable of doing in this way 20 years ago now shows that this is what it was. Or, mm-hmm. you know, these, you know, medical stuff's come a long way. We can save people easier. <coughs> the world was just inherently more dangerous before people would die randomly from things <laughs> that not anymore. <gasps> but yeah, cancer, I think is more relevant now or more prevalent now is because I, I think it's more prevalent. I think it's more common because of like the crap we're eating and that might be it. Yeah. Or maybe that, that we're sitting in an airplane breathing in jet fueled fumes yeah, all the time. <laughs> or maybe that we've lost a connection with nature. Most people or, you know, it could be, could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have a desire though, Katie, to, to raise a little person. No, you don't want to teach really. them some stuff. I mean, I've got nieces and nephews for that. I could be just the cool aunt, you know, spend some time with them and then go do my own thing afterwards. That's fair. I mean, I'm not having kids either. I'm just trying to see. You know, I keep having the suspicion. Sam and I have been together for six and a half years or something. And she loves, like when we go, we went to Target the other day and we're walking by the little kids section <laughs> and she starts loving all the little kids stuff things. all the clothes yeah. i have her she is a child yeah i mean it's about <laughs> her right it makes the world make more sense to her because she's tiny but uh, you know i have a good friend who has a, a kid who's uh eight months old or something so she sees these clothes and starts talking about ray is my good friend chase's daughter starts talking about ray and then but i just feel like she's excited about the baby stuff and i feel like that biological clock is just starts ticking for people at some point mm-hmm. is sam in the non-breeder boat Yes, she is. Yeah, I've actually gotten uh, attacked when I use the word non-breeder by some lady who you, women aren't just for breeding. Blah, 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 immediately turned me into a sexist because I use the word non-breeder. Well, you are a sexist, a sexist <sighs> pig. In fact, I am sexist, a chauvinist, pervert, and uh, something else bad. CC, our new Packer, recently uh, said I'm sexist, so it's got to be true. Probably true. Um, she I seem smart. I jokingly told her I'm old enough to be your father. She goes, how old do you think I am? She's 21. I'm 47. So uh, <laughs> I was like, how old do you think I am? And I love you. That's how good. much money yeah, do you great. want? Like, I don't know anything about CC, but she thinks I'm a young person and man, respect to CC. Power to her. Is there anything that concerns you about not having kids? Not really. I mean, maybe... Maybe there'll be that little part of me in the future that has a little tiny bit of regret, but I think that's just like a biological thing that I'll, I don't know, I feel like there's a part of people, especially women that are like, oh, look how cute the little baby is. And they, they want to like, I don't know. I I definitely think kids are super cute and I just don't want to commit myself to having Mm. one of my own. I have that same fear that like I, Valerie and I, have been bombarded over the years like why why don't you you should and you know there's always the people who think differently than you it's okay but don't tell me i should yeah but i've always wondered what if one day we we get there like man well well, well, i wish i had kids and honestly i'm at the point in life that we adopted our dogs and we love the absolute shit out of our dogs man 
And there are so many young people in this world right now who do need that kind of love. So if we got to a point where it physically wasn't possible, man, I, I, I'm very happy to adopt. I might have a niece. I'm the same as you. I really do get a, my fix of, man, I love my niece. I love my time with her. And it also reminds me why I don't want to have kids. Um, but um, I also kind of have a light fear of uh, or concern, and it's easy to overcome, of when my parents are old, who's going to take care of them? Well, my sister and myself, we're going to help. We're going to do whatever we need to do to help. When Valerie and I get old, who's going to take care of us? Mm-hmm. Uh, Social Security? I don't know. Um, and for me, the uh, overcoming that is smart financial planning for the future. So if you ever got to that need of medical care, you could afford good medical care that way. You're not relying on, on the cheapest option because, man, have you ever been to nursing homes? Public style yes. nursing homes, not many. They're mm-hmm. depressing. It's it's rough, man. It is real rough, and it's it's uh, those people just need and want love, and and they're not even really treated well. They could just get it from the staff, and they don't. So, I, I have those concerns myself. But uh, eh. yeah, I'm the same way because I don't want to breed either. But <laughs> but I do think that because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take care of my mom. My mom is so important to me, right? So I'm like, yeah, who's going to take care of me? And I forget who told me, but they're like, yeah, I'm just going to have a bunch of money and I'm going to have a hot nurse take care of me the whole time. You know? And I'm like, cool, I'm going to have a hot boy at nurse then. <laughs> Will my, he double as the plan. pool boy? <laughs> right. Hopefully I have enough money to have a pool by then. But you know, yeah. when, you, when you brought up nursing homes, it reminded me of this article I saw about... Uh, STDs, chlamydia especially, being a pretty common thing inside nursing homes. Yes. Just all those old people are running around banging each other. I think that's super awesome. Dude, you're going to die of chlamydia. Dude, I'm 84 (laughs) years old. Hell yeah, I get chlamydia. Yeah. I've heard the same stat, and it's like, why are you banging on that, dude? Why are you mad? Let the old people have what they want. You know who else has chlamydia? Koala bears. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Like ninety so some percent of them. Yep. Did you not know that? No. I feel like we've had the koala chlamydia conversation Maybe. before. Maybe. It's probably one of those things that I just don't think about anymore. Yeah. Well, it's important. You should. Everyone should know. <laughs> this. Now I'm gonna remember. God, I hope people are googling this on their phone right now. <laughs> Pull over There's if you want. There's a surge of <laughs> searches for that. You know, I think the the one weird thing for me about not having kids is you can chain or you can follow your genetics all the way back from like from me myself. You could. Ch- chase chase the, the chain all the way back to the very first people that's crazy mm-hmm. and i'm breaking that chain by not having kids that's weird to me yeah you're not really breaking it you're just ending it at a spot that chain just kind of stops i mean there's other parts of that same chain that exist but that's where that last link is do you have brothers or sisters that have children yeah they, the, my brother and sister both have kids okay so your your family yeah, the, the family lives on or whatever yes. but i i don't <laughs> you know what if, what if i come to some uh, existential crisis where i decide that that's an important thing that my genetic material needs to live on in order for me to whatever have right. fulfilled my quest here on planet earth but uh, i haven't had that feeling yet so i'm trying to be okay with it <laughs> oh man Oh, I t- sorry. No, all good. So, no kids for you, Katie. No. All right. <laughs> what, uh, you know, not very many people who I see in a normal day at Spaceland were there when I showed up. And that you, true. you are on that list. I think uh, this was April of 2000 and... Well... That, that's when you... St- when did you start jumping? When was your first one? Uh, 2010. Okay. And you, you were 18? 
Yes. One month after your 18th birthday? Yes. Paid attention. Well, I hang out with her a lot. I hang out in the packing Have corner. you seen the video? Oh, uh, my God. Do you know who shot it? You did. No. Mm-mm. He did not. Nope. She he started wasn't around before. then. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's how this conversation started. Um, Who shot it? I know. Do you know? I asked the question. Um, Donnie took her, and we know because Donnie that, made a yep, big deal about it. That's true. <laughs> made a big deal? Uh, uh, Katie Van Lowe is an attractive young lady, and he's taking the hot little 18-year-old girl on a tandem skydive. Hey, did you see my student? Hey, did you see my student? Uh, yeah, that ha- but yeah. that happens every day. Oh, it does. I didn't mean a bad way. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're not special, Katie. That's no, what I'm trying to tell you. I'm, no, you've I, seen it. You know you were that piece of ogled meat. I do remember arching way more, like... Than your uncle? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so being in the sport and watching people train their students and things like that, I definitely, ri- like thinking back to my first jump, I I did like five or six arches. And I think he was just trying to get me to arch a whole bunch with him instead <laughs> of like actually right. teach me how to arch. Because clearly I know how to arch. I was doing it, but I was, he was like, all right, all right. And one more. Do it again. Man, yeah. in, in his defense, Donnie was someone who is a, he's a small guy, you know, yeah. he's not, uh, not a big fella, not a lot of surface area. And he's an instructor who I never saw got taken on a ride. And I, I really do true. think that he trained arching with people more than, more than most, more yeah. than, min, uh, I wouldn't say more than anyone, but like I, I always remember like climbing out with him and shooting uh, video of him. I would always uh, see, I could read his lips of what he's saying. And if it was a female student, he would say, all right, get ready to arch for me, beautiful. And mm-hmm. if it was a male student, he would say, all right, get ready to arch for me, man. Ready, set, arch. And he would almost always get uh, good performance from the student because he was saying that to them right, right in their ear as they were going. And I think if you were... Uh, you know, as small and stocky of a guy as uh, as Donnie is, man, I think you probably appreciate that arch a little yeah. bit more than someone with the wingspan to, to outfly their student. I uh, At your size now, I would make you arch extra times. Yeah. You were skinnier then than you are now. That is true. Absolutely. I was going and getting ready for a show, and I saw some of the older pictures of you. I was like, man, you know, it's like Valerie. Valerie's put on a few pounds. She's still a very skinny lady. But man, you both of you were really, really skinny. Mm. So I would believe Donnie, and Donnie was very big on execution. So um, I, he would definitely compliment you to say that. But I would guess a lot, most of the extra arching was he was scared of you. I, who's the scariest tandem student? The small, the tall, skinny yeah. people, man. Yeah. You know, I take Hank on a tandem. You're going belly to earth nine times out of ten. You know, and honestly, most of the people who took me on rides were actually bowling balls and not stick figures. Why? Not the last one I saw. Why? She didn't take me on a ride. I managed my business, didn't I, son? <laughs> uh, do you re- did you ever see the German gymnast gymnast chick who kind of did, did all sorts of leg tricks for me in free fall? That sounds very familiar. She did that great. Was a few years ago, right? Oh yeah, it's been quite is a it, few. Has years. it been? Yeah, two two or three now. Uh, it's been at least since Ben left here because Ben was still here when it happened. Was he? So yeah. three years. Yeah, three years. Um, Man, time flies. Yeah. No, it's uh, she didn't take me on a ride though. It's always the bowling ball. No, balls. she didn't take you on. She she made she me was, work every yeah she, bit for it. She was on a ride of her own. Yeah. She was uh, doing yeah. swimming gymnastics in the air. It was great. Yeah, um, I'm always like not wary of the big fat juicy dude, and so when we leave, it's gonna go belly to earth. So I'm off my guard, and that's the guys who take me on rides. I get a bean pole or a skinny person. I'm so effing scared of you that I've rarely lost any of those battles. So. He probably, in his own pervy way, needed you to arch extra anyways. <laughs> so I <laughs> miss him, man. Way. I don't yeah. even think he's jumping anymore. Uh, 
We're talking about Donnie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Skydab Galveston's the last place I knew that he worked, but I, I don't know if he's still there. Yeah, no, I think he's just hanging out on boats and doing stuff in the water nowadays. Boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. That's a good life. Katie, how you doing? So I got a boat. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> l- let's go That's back. That's not true. All I'm thinking about Do- is flippy floppies now. <laughs> what are flippy floppies? In I that, know the line in, the, uh, the, in uh, that song. In my flippy floppies. I'm on a boat. That song. <laughs> no, okay. that's not the Step Brothers song. Oh, you're uh, you're thinking of, uh, thinking Andy, of Samberg, Andy Samberg, Lonely Island. Yeah. Yes. Poseidon, look at me now. It's such a good song. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know that song, and that song always. Ghost I'm on a boat, motherfucker. I think T Pain's on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a well-produced. It's um. It's not from the same thing. Oh, I'm gonna Google no, it and this is, post uh, it on SNL thing. and and, and Boats and like, Hoses Step Brothers. Um, for sure there now, but I think I it won like, a Grammy <laughs> because it had Justin Timberlake in it, and like they did it really well. <laughs> okay, I'm I mean, it. it's an awesome song. Yeah. I agree. It's I I know the song. It's funny. Years ago, I never thought I'd say this. God, I love Justin Timberlake. Right? He's so he's good, man. awesome. I mean, he did bring sexy back. I can respect him for that. Mm-hmm. And a dick in a box. And a box. Yeah, that's fun. Soup, there it is. I don't know that one. Have you seen his Christmas? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, one of the Saturday Night Live Christmas specials, he dresses up as a cup of soup. And he stands on a street corner singing Christmas carols, competing with Santa Claus for uh, raising money for his uh, give it up to Homelessville. To Homelessville. <laughs> oh man, I would have to say if you put Santa Claus on the corner and JT on the corner, dude, JT's winning that contest. Especially in a mm-hmm. cup of noodles outfit, it's it's great for real. Because all, all the kids want to stop at Santa. All those moms are going to say, "What's up, JT?" We get some of that dick in the box. Oh, okay, it just it went platinum. It didn't get a Grammy. <laughs> it's almost like she just shut you down. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Okay. You're getting disgusting, Nicholas. Wait, went platinum meaning it sold a million copies? I think so. I mean, how do you sell yeah. a song like that? Uh, maybe you got know. a million downloads on iTunes or something? It says a system that's certifying a music recording has shipped, sold, or streamed a certain number of units. I can see them uh, definitely getting over a million views on that video. I wonder if that counts. Probably streaming it, yeah. But, uh, hilarious. Okay, now I'm <laughs> lost between dick in a box and So Katie boat. started jumping <laughs> 10 years ago. Your first guy in 2010 is where we were at. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you make that first jump? What brought it on? It was something that I wanted to do for a really long time. My oldest brother actually kind of put that idea in my head when I was really young. He's about 10 years older than me. So I was at least 11, I think, when he put that idea in my head. And then um, my uncle Mike, which you you know. I know, love Mike. <laughs> Mike's a good dude. He, uh, he bought me my first tandem for my 18th birthday. And so that kind of became our thing after I went and did my first jump. You know, it's her Uncle Mike. Looks like a... Uh, yeah, super nice guy. Retired Brett Favre. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that, but now that you say it, absolutely. Alex O'Connor is the one who pointed it out. And as soon as he did, I'm like, oh, God, you just broke Mike for me. <laughs> like, I love Mike. He's a great dude. But now he's Brett Favre. He will be the rest of my life. Hmm. So, um, you, so you knew about this desire for years. Yeah. When you thought you wanted to skydive, did you think you wanted to make a skydive or actually learn to skydive? I wanted to make a skydive. And why? What what attracted you to skydiving? Just, I guess, flying was very appealing to me. Jumping out of an airplane. Like, I loved things that were always up high and I wanted to try something, I guess, extreme. Did you do any other really extreme things growing up? Not really. 
I was always like that little daredevil kid that would jump off of things or do stupid things with their friends, but I didn't really do anything else besides that. You're a white girl who went to Pearland High School and ran track. Yes. Which let me interpret to you f- as boring. I love Pearland. <laughs> I live in the same town. <laughs> Man, that's harsh. <laughs> no, um, but no, there's not a lot of. I don't it, think you're boring. It's Thank a very, you. it's a very quiet suburb of Houston, especially ten years ago. Now it's a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not a lot of craziness going on. So skydiving was something to explore. Yeah, what did you do in track? What were you running in track? I did the two hundred, the four hundred, and high jump, and relays here and there, and then. What about Chara? What did she do? She did everything. She was God, she's a powerhouse. Yeah. What di- so you she she did everything like what? Um she did the heptathlon. So it's like <laughs> Wait, <so> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought I knew anything about track and you just used the word I've never heard. Isn't of. that what we talked about it's in nursing homes earlier? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean it's like a series of He events. fucked every old lady oh in the my joint. Gosh. It was a heptathlon. <laughs> that makes it seven of them, right? I've got a prosthetic <laughs> heptathlon. Yeah. <laughs> I broke my hip during the heptathlon. <laughs> we broke Katie. Oh awesome. I'm looking this up right so now. <laughs> it's a seven event uh, thing, right? Heptathlon? A heptathlon is a track and field combined events contest made up of seven events. And you, Would you like events? me to name the events? <laughs> I'm going to have to scroll no, through. No, Katie, where are the events? I you can know, do them. that. Honestly, yeah, let's see I what you got. There's javelin, high jump, probably long. Oh, sorry. That's all right. Javelin, high jump. Long jump. Long jump. Hurdles. 100 meter hurdles. Uh, 200 meter dash. 200 meters, you got it. Boom. Um, is there an 800 There's in there? There's an 800 on there. Run, How many yeah. are we at right now? I think you I got, think you just got one, one more. Two. I think you're only missing one. It's a little more, it's a manly event. Is it like shot put? It is yeah. shot put. <laughs> okay. Boom. You got javelin throw, right? Yep. Yeah, 100 meter show. hurdles, high jump, shot push, 200 meters, long jump, javelin throw, 800 meters. How much cocaine were you allowed to do before <laughs> javelin? Because <laughs> holy F. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but Chara, Chara's a beast for sure. She did everything. For the, uh, those of you who don't know, Chara is uh, a high school friend, of, a childhood friend of yours. Yeah. And uh, she is in Manifesto Spaceland. If you're ever in, in Spaceland, uh, commonly on a weekend, it's either her or Rachel who are manifesting you. Uh, Chara, absolutely. If, if you don't know who she is, go into Manifesto and introduce yourself. She's one of the, she's a uh, BPE for sure. Mm-hmm. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Wait, I don't know what a BPE is. None of your business. <laughs> BPE. <laughs> I mean, think B- about Chara. I mean, Go she's there. beautiful. She's... Is this racial? No. no. Okay, good. I call, her, <laughs> I call her churro, so I'm closer to being racial than anything. Uh, I got nothing. I found a cute video or photo of you guys. Oh, her oh, and Chara? Man, there's a lot. With there like is. Little there's little red tons. bows on your head. It was so oh, cute. yeah. That's when we worked at Hollister together. There's Aww. tons of killer photos of Chara and... Um, Katie together <laughs> to look at her know her name. So uh, best person you ever. Guys are so young. Oh my god. BP. Best person ever. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. So manifest has to email me regularly with transactions and things for the rating center, and almost all of them have nicknames. Uh, I call Stella Altiface, Altimeter Face. Um, when I first met her, I couldn't remember her name. I'm like Altimeter Face. What's your What's your Altimeter Face? And her name's not Altiface. She signs her emails that way randomly. 
at some point, Rachel's like, what am I, invisible? Because I couldn't remember her name for a moment. So I, she signs her emails invisible. Uh, I've called Chara Churro since I've known her. My sweet little Mexican dessert. A little brown and spicy. Um, we have fun. And so Katie now runs uh, admin stuff for the rating center. So when Churro Chara <laughs> sent me an email, uh, she sent it to both of us because that was the protocol at the time. And she signed it Churro slash BPE. And that's when I'm like, what's BPE? Same, same game as you. So I lost. I had no, not even a guess. Yeah. It's uh, Char, Char is one of my most favorite people that I've ever seen work in that office. And I think it's uh, a big part of it is she's extremely smart. So like the puzzle pieces of manifest, she's really great at, but she is really great at maintaining her patience. I feel like I may have even shared this story before uh, on the show, but there was a day where she was manifesting a big group that had to be split up into three different loads. Cause it was a big group. I don't remember how many people, but Enough to take up three loads, and the group, uh, you know, if if you the manifest will ask big groups like that, hey, who wants to go with who? Who do we keep together on what airplane? Right. So they come with their with their list of who they want on what plane. Great. So she starts manifesting it out, gets all the instructors lined up, paying attention to weight limits, getting people paired well for video, yada yada yada, does all the work, and then as soon as she's finished, they come in and say, oh no, we actually talked about it and we want to switch all of that. And so she, you know, she just gets right back to it. And, uh, you know, with Jump Run, the manifest software, there's not like an undo button. It's it's all very manual where you go and you see the list on paper and then you go through the list that's on your computer and you just have to make it all work. And then after she had just reworked all of this, they came back in and said, oh, we changed our minds again. We want to do it this other way. And these people were being super... Uh, demanding and i'm sure they don't realize the amount of work that's going on behind their 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 choices but she surely does and the person walked out and (laughs) they they weren't particularly friendly about it either they were being being pretty uh pretty demanding and high maintenance and i think most people would have voiced their frustration in this moment and she said I'm not going to let them ruin my day and got just put her head back down that started doing what she was doing on the computer. And it was she's like, so man, cute. you are a special lady. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Every time she's so like accommodating and she's just like, what's up? Like, I know. Do you, do you know why so. Chara works for Skydive Spaceland? Um, because she's a badass. She's the BPE and <laughs> yeah, BFF obviously. of Katie Vanlow. Katie <laughs> is the one who suggested that she work for the drop zone. Nice. She's been a great fit. Great job. You Thanks. were right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Worked in skydiving for a long time now, and I have met some absolutely phenomenal, badass manifestors. Um, I've seen some of the best in the world. I've got to travel to a lot of places. We've had some of the best in the world visit and manifest here for us. Uh, Chara is is top of the book, period. Absolutely blows me away with her uh, logistical ability. Her ability to, to manage all these loads and think that far ahead and to juggle all these things and, and to deal with all these different processes, to be polite to people, to help everybody around her at the same time. It's only, and I think you've sat there and watched, she does so much more than anybody, I think, realizes who doesn't sit there and watch her. And I think anyone, if you work uh, in skydiving, especially if you're a jump staff, and I think there's a huge appreciation and uh growth of knowledge that will happen by spending time watching people manifest of understanding everything that that person's done from, you know, what, uh, what, that, what, uh, your tandem student that you're jumping with, what they see when they booked the, their, uh, 
reservation, everything that the people on our side of the counter has to do with the reservation, and then everything that happens from the moment that person walks into filling out paperwork to getting them on the board and getting them, you know, weighed in and all the all these little things that as a you know when you're a jump staff that just happens right <laughs> you don't have to do anything it just happens it just pops up but uh, to see how many different things they're doing and how many different things has to be in the mind especially of the person who's in the manifest seat that's a lot and i think you uh my appreciation certainly grew as i spent more time in there and, and saw everything that goes into it Katie, what was your first job at the drop zone i was a video editor uh, how long did you do that quite a while you you were there when I started, so I really don't know how how uh, what well, when you started. I started just a few weeks before you did, actually. Okay, so 2012. I showed up in April, so maybe mm-hmm. March. Yep. And how how did you uh, begin this process? What what uh, how did how were you aware that editing videos was a job to be done at the drop zone? Tammy, the one of the packers there, actually told me that they were looking for an editor, and I wanted another job that was going to put me in the sport and where uh, were you working before i was working at hollister Hollister, okay yeah pimping those clothes <laughs> yeah i guess so uh, you know <laughs> i i don't know i i don't know what the inside of a hollister looks like what are the hot items at hollister what are those kids selling? the guys out front <laughs> are there sexy mannequins. dudes are there sexy dudes Sometimes, at hollister? yes um, at the <laughs> jeremy really foster was yeah at the mm. at the really big stores they have like storefront models and it's basically guys just wearing pants board board shorts and a a lifeguard whistle just standing there welcoming people let's go to hollister (laughs) remember jeremy foster was on the show really early in the cycle of this whole i remember yeah i remember yeah uh, i call him hollister because that was his job for a while and i love to remind him that he was the topless dude he's hot as if if i thought i could go stand anywhere with less clothes on and get money for real dude i'm doing that right you look like (laughs) you if you look like me you wouldn't do that (laughs) You also want to look like me. Well, they're not paying me to look like me, so I, I don't know that anything's happening for me that's not happening for you. <laughs> Anyways, you worked at Hollister. You yes. wanted to get away. Did you know Tammy at all? Uh, Packer Tammy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so hard to remember where one era ends and another begins. It's, it's such a huge overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start editing video? It was like March 2012, okay. roughly. Sorry. And you, I, how long did you edit video for? I did that for, I would say, a couple of years, and then I decided I wanted to go to school for massage, and so I went and did that <laughs> for a year or so, a year I thought or two. It was long, I thought it was like two and a half years that we were without you. It might have been that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because it, yeah, that sounds right. It was definitely two years for sure. So why go to massage? Why? Um, I wanted to get into like the physical therapy world and there is a program I really wanted to join and it was pretty competitive and I figured I wanted to work in body work before (coughs) applying to that program so it would give me like an upper hand with the other candidates applying Uh and what happened to that um I started working full-time as a massage therapist and I wasn't getting the experience or like the hours or compensation I wanted to at the place that I was. And Mm -hmm. I was just like not super happy. And that's actually whenever you messaged me, I think, or no, I approached, 
I came to the drop zone and I saw you and you said that you guys needed an editor again. Yeah, I don't remember who, who left that or who someone was leaving or something. Yeah. And you came out, uh, were you, did you come out just to get current or did I you have a friend jumping or something? I came out to get current, yep. And then you, you told me that you guys needed an editor again. And I thought about it for like a day and I was like, hey, are you serious about that? And <laughs> I wanted to come back out and get back in the air. When was that? 2015. Man, I remember you coming back because when you first showed up, nice young lady, nice girl, fun to have around, fun personality. You came back the second time or you, you come back. And at this point, you were friends with a lot of us. A lot of us knew who you were. You'd worked at the drop zone. And uh, it was really it's always fun to see a friend come home is, is the way I look at it. Um, you've been here since this version, right? Yes. So how long did you edit this this time around? 2015 through? Ooh. That's a good question. It's kind of like the the overlap of people coming in and out. <laughs> I don't remember when I started packing. I would bet it's, it's like 2017 because I feel like this is you've been packing for three years. Do you think at that's about yeah, right? at least three years. And what drove you from the packing room besides Nick to uh, uh from, the, from the video room? From the video room, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, to the pa- uh, to packing room. Besides Nick, oh, um, uh, I wanted to kind of get to know year a little bit better and uh the pay for an editor is also uh less than glorious yes <coughs> especially yeah. At, yeah especially yeah <laughs> no you're right no well, i mean even with me being the only editor like yeah, it wasn't those, bad in those days uh editing was its own standalone job mm-hmm. because it took a lot more time because the system we used was far less efficient so we had people who that was their entire job for the drop zone is they would edit videos and there there were there was a time where we had three editors on three different computers on a Saturday to keep up with like a ninety minute wait. That's how inefficient that uh And that we'd was. have customers waiting two hours after close to still get their videos. Yep. Yeah. A lot of mail outs during that oh, time. Man, do you know how badly I do not miss <laughs> standing at the post office on a Monday morning for thirty minutes while they process all the mail outs? Good golly. <laughs> so now uh, the ladies in the office, ladies of Manifest, uh, they take care of editing as well because the system's just that efficient. So wow. now that's just part of, um, they get paid hourly to do their job and editing's part of their job. Works pretty well. You went to the packing floor partially uh, for better pay, but you said mainly to, to get to know gear better. Yeah. At this point, how many skydives did you have? Any guess? Ooh, that's... A couple hundred, I would say. Okay. And this is a couple hundred over the course of now six years, seven years. Yeah. It was a, a slow climb up there. Yeah. When you said you wanted to get to know gear better, why? In what way? I just, I kind of <coughs> wanted to understand other equipment aside from just the Mirage that I was jumping and to be better with packing as well. So just for personal yeah. edification, personal satisfaction. Yeah. It amazes me today how many jumpers don't understand their gear. Is it, is Did you have a lack of knowledge of your own gear or did you just want to expand on the knowledge you had? I just wanted to expand on the knowledge I had, like different containers and mains and just like how people pack things differently and just uh, just kind of get to know it a little bit better. So coming from a history of uh, someone who's an active person, and someone who did massage for a living, mm-hmm. pretty strong hands. Uh, how were your hands when you started packing parachutes? Uh, they they hurt for a while. I remember like the first busy Saturday. It was 
I think there was an event. It was it was a crazy busy weekend, and I was just like, oh my god, what did I get myself into? <laughs> like I was just on the tandem train because we were so, just so busy, and everybody had fun jumpers and was like really established. I'm just like trying to keep up and not quit, you know. Like I, I didn't see myself quitting, but there was like parts of me is like, man, I'm really thirsty right now, or gosh, I could really go for a snack right now, but I can't stop. So I just got to keep going. And it, it definitely felt worth it at the end of the day to be able to, it felt like I accomplished something, you <laughs> I know, just getting say through that. Using your broken hands to count all your money. That's <laughs> right. what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> but right. Yeah. You're kind of like prideful, right? You're like, I just did all that. Yeah. Do you remember how many tandem rigs you packed that day? Um, I think it was close to 30. And how many can you pack in a day now? As many as they need me to. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't really know. I'm not really good with, with keeping up with my personal best on how many pack jobs I've done. It's Ye- like 50 candles in a day? I, I mean, with as many packers as we had, I don't think that we would really need to do that. Could but you? If, if I needed to, yeah, okay. probably. So today's Thursday. It's December. How many pack jobs did you do today? I did about 40. Man's got to have Spaceland is a great place but to be. But it, it wasn't all tandems. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, you guys, I think we had 20 some, between 20 and 30 tandems today, split between you and another packer. Mm-hmm. And then students and, uh, and you, do you have many fun jumpers on a, a random Thursday in December? Today I had about like four or five, which wasn't bad. It definitely helps that the weather was really good and brought a lot of people You out. did 40 fucking pack jobs today. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Boom. I w- I'm stuck on that. <laughs> I've never packed 40 rigs in a day. Never. Mm-mm. Wow. I ha- I have, and it's not like just the fact that uh, it's a Thursday in December, and you pack 40 rigs. And it was so beautiful out today. Yeah, it was very very beautiful. What a nice day, but it's what a, what a cool place to be. What a cool place to jump. Sorry, I got distracted by that. So you've ju- you you had four fun jumpers. Mm-hmm. 20, 30 tandems is what the drops into today? Somewhere between 20 and 30, yeah. I didn't uh, see yeah. the, the report before I... What kind of student load was out there today? Uh, there wasn't as many students today. I definitely saw some rental gear moving, though. Yeah, there were a lot of fun jumpers who were still using rental gear, so... Man, keeping you guys busy. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I completely lost train of... Tra- tra- I, I just You're still just stuck. like 40. I'm stuck, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck on the number 40. It's so really wh- what's the highlight of working on the pack floor for someone who thinks they want to pack parachutes for a living? Ivy. Well, yeah. Honestly, I mean, Ivy's like, great. Like, I definitely yeah. love the crew. Mm-hmm. I think that's gotten, like, that is a huge reason why I stuck around as long as I have, you know? I think that's that's something that always happens to me. I'm so like, man, I really like these people. I really want to stay here and because you're hanging out with them too like you're spending a lot of time with them and to be able to have a crew that you genuinely enjoy spending that much time with it's like man do i really want to give that up to go do something else are are you guys pretty chatty or is it like a lot of people put their headphones in and and don't really communicate is it a mix it really depends on the day sometimes we we like just mess with each other have a good time sometimes we just have our head downs and head our heads down and grind the whole day but like it's it's a really good team. As for me, it's I get to see every team dynamic on the DZ, I think, more than most people because I'm not anchored to any one place. And the packing team, they're, they're, they're by far, uh, it, we, we commonly refer to people in the sport as family. 
the Packers are probably the most family uh, unit we have on the drop zone. They they really are. It's amazing. Kind of got to be right. You're on every load together. So, you know, like not that you guys are on. That's how it would feel for someone on jump staff if you were on the same load with the same people over and over all day. Mm-hmm. And if you were stuck on loads with someone that you didn't like, it would be a long day. So I can see why it would be important to to get along. Uh, one thing that we kind of uh, briefly touched on, you're a, a newly rated tandem instructor. I am. Where, where did the desire to be a tandem instructor come from? That started a while back, actually. Um, I just always liked the idea of taking somebody on their first tandem. I think it's like such a cool experience to be able to change some change someone's life like to that. Change someone? No, change. Uh, to change I'm someone. Sorry. <laughs> Hey, we're here, Missy. Ow. It's aggressive. It's good. Yeah, it's it's mostly for all the harnessing. <laughs> right. um, I could just strap this person. <laughs> She's just like, I, I'm, I'm in. Okay, I know it. I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it's a cool experience to share that with somebody and take them on their first skydive, whether it be something that like they get into or not. It's just definitely one of those moments that changes your life, whether you, I don't know, realize it or not. Well, for mo- anybody who's made a skydive remembers that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, we all sit here and exchange our ideas and our, th- our time together because of the experience. Uh, when did you realize that you wanted to become a TI? What, what, is there anything that happened or any time that you realize it? No. Um, just hanging out at the drop zone and seeing everybody doing the different jobs that they do and like the interactions and things that they have. I, I don't know. I just think being a tandem instructor would be kind of fun. So earlier we talked about you went to the packing mat when you started packing and you had this desire for knowledge on equipment. Did you know at that point tandems might be a direction you're going? Yeah. Do you think that helped drive you to the packing mat? Knowing that tandems is something you wanted to do? Probably. Yeah. Like that's not like one thing that made me want to do it, but there's probably a part of my myself that wanted to do that because of wanting to do tandems i'm always curious to, to know that and to see that because teaching a tandem course a large part of the tandem course is understanding the equipment and having a person with a lot of experience with a tandem rig they're getting their training on is it's it's a night and day difference with how a lot of that training goes how much do you think it helped you having hundreds thousands of pack jobs on sigma rigs when you went through the course Oh, I think it helped a whole bunch. Like reading the manual, I'm like, oh, these are like, this is all super familiar to me. And going through everything and whenever Aaron was teaching me all of the the gear checks and things like that, nothing was new. I understood everything that she was telling me. It wasn't like an added vocabulary that I had to worry about remembering because it was just something that I was super familiar with. Would it be fair to say the manual, the test, and Aaron just helped you connect the dots? Yeah. And it's, uh, I really love seeing somebody who wants to get a tandem rating take the experience and the time on the packing mat. It's not something I did. I had no clue how to pack a tandem rig. Uh, I couldn't pack my own rig. Uh, I, I could pack my own rig in 30 minutes when I got my tandem rating. I had less than 100 pack jobs before I had 1,000 jumps. I hate wow. packing, man. Yeah, I for my first 4,000 jumps, I didn't pack. Um not first 3,000. Uh, anyways, I, I think it's a huge help, and I wish people would understand that that path. Get involved with tandem packing, even if it's on a part-time basis. Um, you went through the course with Aaron. Mm-hmm. I, man, I, how was that? It was awesome. 
I was super excited to be in her course and have her teaching me. Yeah. Aaron, uh, I, I really wish we could have Aaron on the show one day. Uh, Aaron, for those of you who don't know her, is a tandem instructor and tandem examiner here at Sky Space in Houston. Uh, she is from Mexico, speaks great English in my book. I understand why she is conscious about her English. So I think it'll be a little bit longer before we get her on the show. Um, she has done a Spanish-speaking podcast. So, Well, uh, man, let's just bring in... <laughs> A Spanish-speaking friend to be on this side, and we'll just hang out and nod the whole time. Well, so one of my goals before COVID and at the beginning of this year was to have her and Pedro in this room. That's a great uh, idea. Doing a Spanish-speaking version of the show, but after since COVID happened, I've just kind of let it go and not thought much of it. Um, the only problem I have is I would like to have somebody behind the desk who understands Spanish so they could queue up good things for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. The first well, time... I know Carlos. I know Fernando. Fernando is actually the guy we have lined up for. It. There we go. So... I think we need to get that back happening. But man, Aaron is is I just want Aaron on the show in English as well. Yeah, I want that too. Yeah, yeah. Um Aaron is uh a female tandem examiner, the first female Mexican tandem examiner. Uh one of only Four, sp- fourteen thousand jumps. Yeah. Ten thousand tandems or something like that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. She's a badass. Um she is doing tandem courses specifically for ladies only. I actually had two other people try to sign up for your course. Uh, both of them had to be told no. And uh, one of them was super like, oh, dude, for girls, well, that's super cool. Sorry, I didn't notice that. But he was really nice. Another guy was actually kind of a dick about it. Um, and nah, that's if he doesn't want the fact that they had a girl only course, I'm okay with that. Like, dude, I'll schedule one for you anytime you want. Um, it's a sexist world we live in. It is, dude. I mean, it's... You ladies have it pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Do you guys have ladies' <laughs> night, man? We don't even get men's night. Come you on. guys get ladies' gear night, right? <laughs> we never invite the guys over to check out gear. I mean, well, another way, but... <laughs> it's getting weird. <laughs> it's getting weird here. I so, see your Schwartz anyway. is as big as mine. Do, do you feel like your experience uh, as a video editor and seeing thousands and yeah. thousands of tandem jumps on video, do you feel like this helped your understanding of uh, what it's like to become a tandem instructor? Yeah. Definitely has. Did it put any fear in you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, even not even just doing that, because I also um, I want to get my camera set up, but I'm waiting on a helmet. But like just even sitting in on like the the camera guy meetings one that you guys would have, and then talking about like getting entangled with drugs or just seeing super close calls or any anything like remotely sketchy or just hearing about it, it's like oh. That's super scary. It, it is scary, and I regularly have heard videographers and video editors who refuse to get their camera ready because of all the things they've seen that scared them. So how did you confront those fears? And then, and also Nick's, I think, direction, how did these, how has these videos influenced you in a good way? Um, with the, I guess I just took everything that I've learned from other people and uh, tried to learn from those experiences, try to process what happened, why it happened, like what to avoid that said thing happening. And um, what was the second question about videos? You're going, it's all similar direction. Okay. What's the worst thing you've seen on a video? No Whoa. names. <laughs> I, uh, I can tell you soil, all sorts of horrible things. I'll tell you one time, Dennis Anderson and I did a four-way tandem, if you count his student and him, me student and myself, going out and doing 
uh, RW Man, without drugs so, together. So against the rules. Was it against the rules <laughs> then when you did it? Not clearly. What, when did those rules show up? Common sense showed up well before we started skydiving. Yeah, but I mean, but I can see, you know, before they figured it out, you know, before before you figured out, that you mean, it's hard to know it was a terrible idea before someone gave it a shot, right? Yeah, I think it was informally uh, a bad idea when we did it, but it was never in writing and never something that was talked upon. Um, I think uh, Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted, they're... Uh, they're the guys who came up with tandem skydiving. Did a great job of. Are they? You're probably about to describe this photo. No, I'm not. But oh, yeah, okay. the, the photo of their secretaries. Yeah, there's a photo of them. Yeah, uh, Ted jumping a strong and uh, Bill under a uh, on a UPT rig, a Vector two, a, a RWS or rig. Oh rel- yeah, relative workshop. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, did they have drogues in that photo? Nope. Uh, so early days, drogue tandems were drogueless. Early days, uh, that picture was of Ted and Bill with their secretaries, um, and they're they're docked. Um, when we did it, so th- they did a good job coming up with this great process, uh, and a lot of these good and smart ideas were never documented through their time. And something that a few different guys over time have done, and Tom Noonan currently is just absolutely crushing, is documenting the policies, procedures, rules, and recommendations by these companies. So now it's definitely frowned upon. So now that you know I've done some really effed up things, (laughs) um, I do not recommend it, and I won't tell you how we pulled it off safely because we just got lucky. Um, What's the worst thing you've seen on video? Um, I mean, editing videos, I haven't... I've seen like close calls with the drogue being thrown and people being up in in the space where the burbles... or the the drug is going to be. Um, but like, I think I've seen a lot of nasty things as opposed to like sketchy things on video. That's what I mean. Like what kind of, what's the worst? Ooh, what's I want to know what's nasty. Miss yeah. oh. <laughs> <Like>, Jackson. <laughs> I do remember uh, the, it was, I think it was a bloody nose and it was Clint. Yeah. I shot that video. It was oh, so I was having so much nasty. fun. He had a, did he <laughs> even have a helmet? It was. Uh, I, don't I don't think, think he had he a helmet on at all. Yeah. So just blood flying in his face. And he was smiling, and <sighs> yeah, he had to go. He went and got some tests done after that jump, I think. And then what else? There was a <laughs> sweet little old lady whose sinuses blew up. Was covered her whole jumpsuit. Oh and no! You remember that? No, I know exactly what you're talking Whoa. about. But there was a video. Like we had a folder on the desktop for a long time where we just collected stuff like this, where the t- the most terrible things that happened ended up in this folder. And sometimes it would be funny things like video of someone falling down catching tandems or. Stuff. When when Dan Lane kicked uh, uh, Brian Menard right. in the chest oh, or whatever, yeah. and I edited all this stuff together. You remember when we had a Christmas party at the tunnel? Do you mm-hmm. remember this? Yep, and that. And I edited all the most terrible things together in a video that was just called "The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly," oh my and I had all those terrible things. And there was a woman who had the a real crazy discharge from her sinuses that ended up on the visor of Ken Stone's helmet. Oh. Luckily, he was wearing a full face helmet, but man, it is a, uh, it is it's intense. Yeah, it's a lot. But um, someone, uh, I won't even name names, but a colleague of ours from another Spaceland location sent me the worst booger I've ever seen on someone's nose. The biggest booger, and it stays there for a really good chunk of free. <laughs> I bet I have a screenshot of it. 
I'm going to find it. You guys talk about someone at something else. I'm going to find boogers. Find the booger. <laughs> yes. I I just off my ass. <laughs> no, Nick. you didn't say no, anything. No, no. I asked Nick where it was at because I'm pretty sure I'm picturing the same thing, man. It's horrible. Oh. Um, oh, my God. It's, uh, there's so many crazy things that have happened. What's the scariest? Like, Is there anything that you've seen on video that make you go like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore? I don't know if it's enough to make me not want to do it. I, uh, he's found the picture. Hundred percent found the picture. I found one other thing on my way to. I did find the picture. Now I'm going to pass it around <laughs> oh just God. for your enjoyment. There you go. Just cry, I just, just cry. <laughs> Dude, it's so bad. <laughs> is, this, is this something we can show the people? Uh, I don't know. I no, I, okay. I wouldn't want this person's face okay. shown on sure, the internet. Sure. Yeah, it would be really horrible if we. Create you can yeah. show Katie's face to the reaction <laughs> to the photo. That might be just as good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How uh, insane is that? That's that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I've told you the worst snot rocket story. I've done I've done it on the show. I'm sure. I mean, I have to see the nasty. But that is by far the worst worst booger. It is, that is it is. Holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> it almost looks like cartilage. <laughs> that's so gross. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look like something that should have been living in her nose four seconds before that. <laughs> oh I, like I, how long has that been in your oh. nose? I need to know. No, it's not. Ha. Tommy, uh, Tommy, I'll tell uh, tell Dick to send you that picture. Tommy, Tommy Miller. Is oh, Tommy my Miller boy, paying my attention? My boy T. Willie's in the house. <laughs> Tommy, we need to come, come visit us, buddy. Come home, Tommy. Tommy, we need you. <laughs> we absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm just showing <laughs> DJ I another picture. I'm sorry that we're not able to <laughs> share <laughs> this stuff. Oh yeah, I I remember. Have this you seen one. her? Oh, oh yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, I need. Oh, dude. You can just turn also, it. this is another one. This Tan- I, I feel bad that we're having uh, show and tell here. Tandem skydives, tandem videos, just a collection over the years. There's always so much fun. Um, I love how you you said it earlier. Whatever you see, you take something away from it. You learn <laughs> something from good. it. So, uh, when you were in. Uh, excuse me. So now you've got your rating. Yes. You've got to use it yet? Not yet. Hopefully I thought I told you Monday soon. night. You did. So hold on. I got an idea. I know this guy. Hey, Nick. Yes. This oh. young lady is on the packing floor <laughs> run right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> she wants to go to the tandem mat eventually, and she's trying her tandem rotation eventually, but she's trying to do it with smart moves, trying to make sure the stat packing staff is taken care of because we're thin right now. She needs to do a tandem here and there to stay current, especially with a new rating. Well, we did just uh, hire a new full-time guy who's going to be here in just a couple of days. And uh, a couple other part-timers who won uh, CC who just started. And uh, some other people who are really interested in doing that. So I see no problem with Katie doing some tandems as soon as possible. Katie is a very kind and considerate person. And she's worried about taking work from uh, people who depend solely on... uh, tandems for their income. Sorry, I'm sending that picture to Tommy. I'm distracted. <laughs> oh, okay. But it depends solely on uh, tandem jumps for income. She doesn't want to take that income from these people because she's considering she's nice. But uh, How, she needs what to makes you say excuses that? and she needs to start uh, taking some tandem passes. What makes you say that that's her problem? Uh, because that's what she says. Okay. She has said the same thing to me. I'm like, are you just reading her mind? Are you like No, ESPN? I mean, I, I believe that she legitimately feels that way because she is a considerate person. But I also think 
that uh, I think know, she sees more money on the packing floor right true. now. That's true. I'm sure, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there dry. is. Yeah. But I think you need to. I think you got to get on the horse, get that first one out of the way. No, I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm still working as a as a packer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm making yeah. income in other people. Yeah. So did you know that I chased her and Aaron on a jump? Yes. God, it was so much fun. So yeah, here's what here's what I do want to see happen, and here's what does really need to happen. Not that she needs to go to the tandem rotation. She needs to do at least one or two a week here or there. Just need to get her out there throwing drogues. And and this is really something any of you who are getting your ratings need to hear. As soon as you get that rating, you need to use it right away. You've had this super strong learning process, and now it's the time to set it in. Because no matter how much Aaron fucks with you, no matter how much I mess with you, no matter how much we trip you out the door, we have this weird exit, you know in the end we're going to be okay. To go out there and to be the most absolute powerful person on the skydive. You knew Aaron could help you anytime she needed to. Yes. Even though you knew she wasn't. Even though she, you knew she was going like, ha ha, take this. You knew in the end, subconsciously, she could still help you. On your first tandem, you will absolutely be the most powerful person on that skydive. And the empowerment and confidence and reinforcement it gives a new rating holder, it's so important to reinforce those lessons. So really, uh, let's get her out there and do a tandem ASAP. Not change rotation. I get where you're at right now. We've talked, I think, uh, privately about where you're at rotation wise and helping the packing floor and taking care of that and 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 uh, what do you got now, He's man? Losing jo- it over Tommy there. sent me a really good booger picture. <laughs> oh <laughs> my! The look on her face. She's so happy. <laughs> She's so okay. You've got to share. So <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'm so uh. the microphone. <laughs> Oh All right, Elsa, <laughs> I, s- I send you a picture that you can share, Elsa. I sent it to you via Facebook Messenger. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, wait, you got to sign oh, it to your wait. own Facebook account then, Elsa. <gasps> oh, never mind. Who, 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 do it on send Zap it to DJ. I can send it to DJ. Yeah, That's I no send problem. it to me. No, but then she's going to be in my message. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> she doesn't even know it's there. She's just like, yeah, celebrating boogers. God, skydiving is more fun than boogers are disgusting. One of the great. One of the last boogers are hilarious. One of the last times I uh, wore a open face helmet as a tandem instructor, I was on a Saturday. Somebody had a problem at the last uh, jump of the day, and the next morning I had to sit down with them as an examiner and review some things with them. Nothing bad happened. It was just like, hey, let's go over some stuff. Let's make sure you're good. We got them through, and we, we go back to our day. But as we were talking, I had my sunglasses, which the night before went on my head as I left the DZ. That morning I hadn't put them on yet, and I grabbed them as we're talking, and they're covered in snot absolutely like worse than that covered in snot and look i'm like oh well i'll clean those later i don't remember having a sinus blowout but you know you have it every now and then i go to clean it off then i go to my student and i go to give him goggles and i look at the goggles like oh my god my student before me had a sinus blowout and uh it apparently went all over my face i was sick the next week um grossly sick um, I have always been a huge advocate for wearing an open face helmet with a um, <laughs> an, open, an open face helmet with a uh, t- on a tandem just because I enjoy it. But now, man, full face the boogers and snot on your face, girl, get get a good full face and wear it. So since Elsa has this photo up, I just want to give an explanation it's real quick. Hilarious. So we got a split screen photo here on the left. There's Katie with uh, Aaron, her examiner during the course. This is the jump I chased them on and. 
DJ, how what what would you how would you describe this? I would call this the flying tea. Is that yep. the same same yep, 100%. same verbiage you'd use? Yep. So Aaron is doing a beautiful and perfectly executed flying tea, uh, grinning like a nerd because you know she's just on a front ride on the course and kind of having fun messing with Katie. So she's and she's got a great smile. You can tell she's having a blast. And on the right is Aaron as the tandem instructor with a student like two days after this. <laughs> and the student has her foot straight down into the wind and is doing uh, the less refined uh, version of the same crazy body position that Aaron's doing. And it was perfect, uh, perfect payback that Aaron was doing this <laughs> to mess with Katie during her course. And then she got a student do the exact thing to her in real life uh, just days later. <laughs> that student looks like she's having a great time. She is too. having a blast for sure. <laughs> I still think Aaron is having more, more fun. More fun. I mean, <laughs> she's at least having a more collected and conscious version of fun. I think the tandem student's just uh, losing her yeah, mind Aaron's and fun. Aaron's like a ballerina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is. And yeah, she's, it's so pretty. So, so intentional. Katie, what was the most challenging part of your tandem course? Showing up prepared. Hey, he said it. Okay, hold on. This is a really (laughs) common thing. I can't tell you the number of people who have said, yeah, I showed up for my course today, but then I ended up not having the prerequisites done and had to reschedule the course. Is that a pretty common thing for you, DJ, the, course, the number um, of courses you run? we It's not actually very common for us. In a large part, of we send a lot of good information to help candidates prepare. Um, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to throw you under the bus here yeah, a little bit. I already fine. have. Uh, when Katie had the problem, so Katie also, we'll talk about this in a little bit, is our administrative assistant for the rating center. If you send us a request for a course, Katie's the person who's going to send you your deposit request, your confirmation emails, your reminder emails. She is scheduling examiners now. She's uh, getting a good hold of it, and thank you very much. It's it's I, I'm seeing that graph's really good. Um, so, Katie, you send out these emails to people. You've gotten this email as a candidate. I want to see what the disconnect or the break was to make sure we could better service the customer. And uh, it was a lack of paying attention to the material you were given, I think, was part of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so there's like you have to sit in some first jump courses. You have to help train some students and things like that. And I know a lot of friends say they have that problem. Candidates show up unprepared. I had that problem for a long time. Candidates show up unprepared. And so we've drawn a really nice outline thing saying this is what you need to do to prepare. Um, I also will say the verbiage is tricky. And this is where Katie really got bit in the ass. Um if you have an instructor rating, you don't need to do X, Y, and Z. Katie has a coach rating, so she thought she didn't have to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. Do you know the difference in those two words? I mean, I know the difference between a coach and an instructor, sure. So a coach is an instructional rating, an instructor rating. And USPA commonly refers to on a card, if you have an instructional rating, you do this. If you have an instructor rating, you do that. And Katie just got those two words confused, which happens actually way more, uh, not sorry, way more, all the effing time. And so I think part of what bit you in the ass, if I'm right, was the instructional instructor rating thing. Yeah, that was like the entire thing. I just like, okay, instruct. And then I just kind of like, that's how I processed it. I was like, all right, I've done all those things. I'm good. And then I was not. Majority of people get through that okay. Um, Occasionally it happens. And we actually had a few very recently. Um, Katie was actually the third tandem candidate in a row who had this problem. So obviously it's difficult to understand. And uh, I haven't changed that yet, but it's on my list of things to change. Is Don't worry, a Katie. Line. This sorts of thing happens to lots of ladies. 
Yeah. Well, honestly, I was super happy it happened to Katie for two reasons. Number one, we could find out what exactly happened. And I know she's, there's no personal worries between the way her and I will discuss it. So she'll tell me exactly how she feels. I'll tell her exactly what's going on. And now for once I have the customer and I get the best possible feedback to fix the problem. So I'm glad it happened to her because I got some good feedback. But number two, you live here, you work here, you're always here. Mm-hmm. We'll do it when you get done. When are you going to be done? She was super easy to reschedule. So, Well, now that he's thrown you under the bus and pulled you back out, what was the most challenging practical part of the course? Oh, man, I, that, that test seemed to take forever to do. Oh, it's the worst part. Yeah. The, so tell me about the test. I haven't taken it. It is all over the place. Like I, I wasn't expecting it to just read the manual, go read the questions, answer it, you know, question after question, but it, it definitely jumps around and not all of the answers are in the manual. You have to check out other parts of the website to find other answers. So it, it, it kind of sends you on a little scavenger hunt with, with how the, the questions are organized. The my understanding is that test has to be completed before the course starts. Is that Correct. right? Correct. The the test is is actually really well written. The, you took the new test. The new test is actually, in my opinion, very well written. The manual is very poorly organized. So, hey man, what? Where do you? This information, if I look at the table of contents in the index, by every state of imagination, should be in this section. And you can't find that answer anywhere remotely near that section. And 30 questions later, you're answering a question that has absolutely zero to do with the same topic, and you find the answer to that question 30 questions later in another whole different part of the book. Or you might have to get the Cypress Owner's Manual out to find out one of the answers. Or you might have to go to UPT's website and dig through their service bulletins on their website to find some answers. Um is it designed this way intentionally, or is this just poor organization? Um, I think it's... Because what the, what you're describing sounds like it would uh, yield a process that actually helps with real learning. Um, no, because it's so poorly structured that it, it confuses more than it helps. Um, I do think it's poor organization. Tom Noonan is the director of Tandem Operations for UPT. And what a great guy. I think Hell he, of a storyteller. I think he agrees that it's poor organization. Um, Stephen Boyd and I were talking about how to get him out here sometime soon, just today. Um, uh, and I think Tom is doing a lot to refine that organization and, and fix that structure. Uh, for example, the new Tandem Examiner Manual actually has all the service bulletins included in it, except for the one that just came out. Um, and I just added it to all of ours. So th- they are providing better structure, and I think the next generation of TI, um, you're actually more blessed with the test you took than I was, than Aaron was. It was it was worse, um, and I think the next version after hers will be even better, and, and I don't think we're going to have to wait for a generation. Tom is on the ball pretty decent with this. So so the I wouldn't have expected the book work to be the more s- most challenging part. I mean... It was just time-consuming. How how long does it take you to fill out this test? Um, I so I read the questions mm-hmm. and then I went and read the manual. That's good. And prep. then I went back and read the questions and tried to answer what I remembered from the manual, and then realized not everything was what I read. And so I I did a lot of rereading, which wasn't a bad thing. Um, and then I like I I did it over a few days because I just didn't want to do it all in one sitting because it was harder for me to retain everything that I was looking up. And it was just kind of like information overload on some things. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to do a few here and then I'll do more tomorrow. And 
in hindsight, would you change anything about the way you took that test? No. Perfect. I, I love hearing that. That's I always recommend people take it over days, read all the questions first, read through the manual second. That way you can put everything together. It's by far the smartest way. Um, I think there's one thing that you might consider changing about the way you took the test. I'm not sure of this, but I think we've had this conversation. Um, I'll tell you guys, if you're taking the UPT Sigma instructor test, when you get to an answer that you don't have enough space for, put an asterisk next to it and write C attached and then attach a new sheet of paper and put 51 continued or whatever number it is continued and then continue the answer there instead of cramming it into small little spots. I think we talked about, is that the one thing? Yeah, that was definitely yeah. something, all the, the prohibited tandem jumps. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go back to that. And I started writing them down. I'm like, yep, this isn't going to fit on this line. So I had to go to a whole another page and write it all out. You now have your tandem rating. You think the desire, the goal of introducing people to their first skydive would be an interesting one? Yes. You want to get a video set up or you're working on it. Mm -hmm. What helmet are you waiting? Are you waiting on a helmet? Have you ordered it? What? I'm waiting on one. It should get here within a week or two, hopefully. Ooh. What'd you order? Uh, Tonefly 2.5. They, I don't know which one the 2.5 is, but they make some sick camera helmets. I, I look at the Tonefly camera helmets. I'm like, that. That's they're amazing looking helmets. That's what you fly, isn't it? That is what I fly. I have the Tonefly 3X. And what's the 2.5? Is that a... Uh, I think it's really, really similar. The only thing that the 3X has that the 2.5 doesn't is the uh, top of the helmet where the cameras are actually mounted. On the 3X, it's an articulating piece where you can adjust the angle. So when you're a tiny little midget with a short neck, that when you can't look up very far when you're shooting belly video, it's really helpful to be able to adjust the angles of the cameras to have a... Uh, more upward tilt to the camera and puts more less strain on your tiny stupid neck. And then if you, you're free flying and you want more of a flatter angle, then uh, you can adjust it too. So it's just a little more versatility. But uh, people that are uh, tall and flexible like Katie uh, seem to have less of a need for it than, than I do. She is flexible. Have you seen her arch? <laughs> 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 Only because of Donnie. Um, and you have cameras already for the helmet? Yes. What cameras are you I've going? got a Sony for my stills camera. Sony what? Do you even know? A500 and a GoPro 8. What's that? What was that? It's a Sony A5000. 5000, yeah. Okay, I was going to say I, I forgot think it's a zero. 1000, but You're right. the uh the, the that's when the Sony cameras really started getting good of the like small format uh <laughs> she put her feet down. Mirrorless cameras that are way lighter and way smaller than the Canons that everyone was using before that. What, uh, what made you decide to go with that camera? Did someone talk you into it? Yeah, actually. Who was it? Uh, Daniel Angulo. Ah, he's I've a smart fella. Yeah. Angulo. He's, he's got a lot of info. Yeah. That is very good. For sure. Very helpful. Um, and you're doing a Go GoPro 8? Yes. Awesome. D do you jump that camera normally? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with it? I am. Doesn't freeze up on you? No. Man. Have you had a GoPro that has issues like that? No, actually. It's the most annoying thing in the whole wide world because everything about how you use the camera feels totally normal. And then all of a sudden you just land without the footage of the jump you just went on. See, I would, I would, I've never had that problem either myself. I, like, I've never had an issue with a GoPro, but I went from a GoPro 1 to a GoPro 6, thanks to your shaming. And I've jumped that 6 maybe five times and gave it to my wife. So I just, I have no need to put a camera on my head, so I won't, don't, could, like, 
I, I think uh, Chris Pudala needs somebody to shoot video here the other day, and I thought, like, oh, I'll go shoot. Vi- oh, I have a fucking camera, man. Mm-hmm. Can't shoot video. Yeah, I think the 7, 8, and 9 are all uh, pretty great. The 8 does some stuff frame rate-wise that the 7 won't do with the, with the stabilization on it. And I think the 9, I think the nine's capable of shooting 5K instead of 4K like the rest of them. But uh, they're they're all great. The stable, the seven and beyond the stabilizations, it's real hard to beat. Which one is it that when you turn it on and record, you can see the playback in the front of the camera? That's the nine. The nine is the only one that has that. Yeah, somebody showed me their camera. There. I'm like, what the f- dude? You can see your, my face is on the front of your camera. Yeah, it's like excited. a weird selfie thing, right? Yeah. I've only shot a few Tana videos with mine set up with the nine, but I can definitely see people's eyeballs just like you would <laughs> if you were, you know, on on your phone talking to the to the camera. How you'd be looking at the screen. I see some people doing that, but it keeps their eyes in the right spot. So whatever. Right. I don't They're care. like, "Ooh, that's me." Yeah. <laughs> uh, who? Um, Alpha five thousand. Uh, a Sony five thousand. Was Alpha five thousand? Yeah, 5, I think 000. it might yes. be the fifty two hundred if I if I remember right. And a GoPro eight. Have you ever flown the still camera at all yet? No. You're going to top mount that. Yes. And then front mount the, or are you going to side by side? Uh, probably front with front the mount with the GoPro. Mm-hmm. And what kind of switch? Any plans? Any clue? I ordered a bite switch. Bite switch? Yeah. You have no experience, and I did, I think all the switches are good options. I think everybody's different. Anybody says there's the best one, it's for them. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose bite? I believe that's what, isn't that what you use, Nick? I do a bite switch, yeah. yeah. I, I like the, just the, like, with a blow switch, I can't tell when it's working. Yeah. And with the, the tongue, I really like the tongue switch. I can feel the click in the tongue switch. But the company that makes them, they just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> and they, they wear out really fast. And the moment that you get spit inside of the, the bite switch and you get it in it and it's got to shorts out the switch and the switch is no good. So because I've got these strong little chompers, I was biting through all of my switches that I was buying. Mm-hmm. So I just started making them. And uh, Daniel Angulo actually was the first person who I saw make a bite switch. And I saw the way that he did it, and I said, man, that's pretty neat. I'm going to try a very similar thing. So I kind of stole his idea and kind of came up with some new things. But, uh, man, there, there were I had bite switches that lasted like a literal handful of jumps Yeah. for for, for a $50 little switch. And uh, I went through three bite switches in like two weeks. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I, I started with tongue switches, loved them, went to a bite switch, actually liked it, and bit through, I think, the first one on day one. But I, I feel like these switches used to be a little more robust. They used to hold up the uh, tongue switches. All of their switches from, yeah, probably the the company that we would both get the the bite switch Conceptus? and the tongue switch from. I'm not going to name names. Conceptus <laughs> is where I got my uh, bite <laughs> switch from uh, and tongue switch both. But yet, uh, are they I, still around? I'm pretty certain they're still making them. Yeah. Okay. But I like the bite switch because I can tell when I've compressed the switch and when it's taking pictures. And with the blow switch, it's just like I feel like. Uh, Maybe this would get better as I got more comfortable with the blow switch, but trying out other people's switches, it's like, I don't think I could concentrate. Like, I don't think I could smile and have fun and make sure that I was taking photos at the same time just because of the mechanics of blowing into the switch. So it's just easy. Like, I can smile. I can do pretty much everything. I don't even notice that the switch is there and still be making the buy switch work. But uh, there are people like Carlos does a great job with the blow switch. Greg does a great job with the blow switch. A few people do a great I job with tongue, tongue. They're great at blowing. That's the truth. So are you getting a pre-made bite switch or are you going with one of these custom guys? Uh, pre-made. Pre-made? No, so hopefully it lasts. 
Yeah. But if you not, I know a guy or two. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. could uh, easily reinforce one of those switches, too, to give it a little more life. Yeah. I know plenty of friends who get plenty of life through those switches. Uh, for me, my big problem is I have a pretty severe overbite, and I would, op- I would shear mine. Mm. So it's it's just my overbite. It's the fact that I have shitty teeth and need braces that is why I bit through mine. So um, I think it would work fine. Have you chased many tandems? I've chased a few. Define a few. At least five, I would say. Okay. And Probably how does, a bit more. How's that gone? Not too bad. There's There's been some fast ones that I'm like, oh, man, I need to learn to fall faster. It is real <laughs> crazy, the diversity of speed. That comes from chasing tandems. Yeah. When you go from someone like y- you and Aaron, pretty pretty slow pair, and definitely not the slowest tandem I've ever chased in my life, but you guys were on the slower side of the fall rate. And then you go with someone like, uh, you know, Fernando or Hank or a- anyone with a 265-pound student on the front of them. And, oh, yeah, it gets spicy. <laughs> it gets real fast. Those are the fun ones. How are you at knee flying? I I think I need to work on it a little bit it before I uh, chase some tandems with it. Yeah, it helped me tons. I know uh, something I tell new videographers, and it's been a long time since I shot video. So Nick, tell me to shut up if it's a bad idea today. But I've always taught him: just get good at flying static in front of the student, get your camera up to where you belong, and fly there. And when you can hold and maintain that good, reasonably close shot the entire skydive, then halfway through a skydive. Start just trying to sink out just a little bit and hold that position. And when you lose it, go back to what you know. And eventually, you're flying that angle every day, all day. And I think you're a very capable flyer. Um, watching you learn, especially this year, has been interesting. Uh, I think you'll quickly get a groove. I think very quickly. So um, I don't know. Is that what you're when you? That's, that's pretty sound advice. Of I mean, uh, if you're learning to chase tandems, I would uh, chase the speeds that are most comfortable first, yeah. and then grow outwards from there. I've learned how to go slower than what's comfortable, and learn, learn how to go faster than what's comfortable. But as long as uh, I mean, if you're just smart about it, and you pick the instructors that you know well, you're familiar with their count, you know that they're not going to do any crazy thing that's going to make your learning curve, uh, you know, make it any more difficult for you than it needs to be. And then uh, I I like them faster, so I would, you know, that's that's who I would chase. But you're going to have to, I mean, there's going to be a day if you were in regular video rotation where you're going to go with someone like Katie and Aaron. And on the very next load, you're with someone like Fernando and 260-pound stranger. And uh, a lot of that is um, dressing for success is a really important thing that I'm sure we've, we've talked about before of just having the jumpsuits with the right drag that you need to, to go both of those speeds and then just having the... Uh, the flying skill set to go along with it. One thing we haven't even talked about, you're on the jump package this year. I am. How is that? It's pretty good. It's fun. How many, do you know how many jumps you've done this year? About 650. That's not bad for missing two full months. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, packing full time. Yeah. So like today, how many jumps did you make today? I was able to squeeze a couple in this morning. Yeah. First and second load. So you have two days off a week. Mm Mm-hmm two days off a week that you try to commit to jumping. And I've seen you on multiple times like, oh, I won't be here tomorrow because I actually have to take care of my own personal life and run errands and go hang out with my sister and get my hair dyed. Um, hair did. Sorry. The weather uh, was bad that day. <laughs> oh, you there wanted to hang out with your sister. Why, why are you shaming no, Katie about and, having pretty hair? And also it was my cousin. <laughs> yeah, a cousin. Um, no, I wasn't shaming her at all. It was so cool because she, uh, we were playing D&D that night and she came over and when she walked in, she floored all of us. So we were like, Alex had told us like, yeah, she's hanging out with her cousin. She's getting her hair did. And when she walked in, it was like, holy cow. And it, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch Alex's expression because he was like, 
trying to eyeball around the corner to see. And uh, man, no, it looks good. Thank you. Heard a lot of compliments around the DZ about it lately. So, but you you commonly get a lot of compliments. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> She's like, uh, awkward turtle. It's getting weird. Uh, it's getting weird in here, it's man. Getting stra- it's getting um, creepy. Creepy vibe. You uh, jump package 600 while you're packing is a lot, but I do want to stay back on tandem. What are you most concerned with as a new TI? What 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 worries you the most? Getting taken for a ride. I guess getting that, that first one is going to be pretty crazy. Like I'm going to try, obviously, not to let that happen, but it's sometimes it happens. I love the attitude. It's it absolutely makes sense. And what is the thing that you're looking the most forward to besides taking somebody on their first experience, the thing that motivated you? I, I guess just the overall experience of it because it's something new. It's something I haven't actually done, you know. Like I've done tandems, done plenty of them, but not, not me as the TI, but just tandems in general. Mm. But I think it'll be a cool little path to take. And is this a temporary path? Is skydiving something you see yourself doing for a while? I think so, yeah. So you think you're you're kind of stuck here in, in a good way? I, I wouldn't say stuck, but yeah. Yeah, uh, you're I, sticking with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about AFF? Is that something? Maybe eventually. It's not something that's on my radar right now because I don't want to get a whole bunch of ratings and then... I, I want to do this for a little bit and get into the groove of everything before I, I pick up on something else. The guy who goes to the drop zone and, and free flies on one jump and belly flies on the next jump and free flies on the next jump and belly flies on the next jump typically sucks at everything. You don't want to be that guy? Not really. No. Um, and, and there are people who get good. If you get good at one skill set, get really good at tandems and then get really good at AFF and then flip out back and forth, you're very capable of it. So when you say not anytime soon, do you think it's something you'll do within the next year or within the next years? I don't really have an answer for that yet because it's it's kind of it's still up in the air. Well, when As you're re- when you're ready to schedule an AFF course, just email <laughs> office at the ratingscenter dot com. Nice young lady will help oh, you. Out ratings. There. ratings, ratings with an S. Mm. So, um, and if you send it to the ratingcenter.com, I still get it. So, oh, do you? That's yeah. funny. That's I a ha- smart move to make. I have uh, the ratingcenter.com, uh, and I have a catch-all email. Anything that goes there comes to me. For example, Chris Brewer just got an email at chrisb at the ratingcenter.com, so I have to forward that to him. I also own the Rating Century because all these stupid Aussies spell it C-E-N-T-R-E, and I also own the ratingcentry.com, and I get emails of all of the above. <laughs> so... Um, dude, I own six different URLs just for the rating center because I have to. It, it's, it's people don't know how to spell. That's reality. That's the world we live in, dude. <laughs> the rating center. I I can see how you can miss that. S. You can miss the S. Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. I I'm never. It's as soon as the first time I realized somebody spelled it wrong, I'm like, oh wow, that's pretty obvious. I can I see it glaringly. Um, and then when they did, when they got the century part on, I was like, you guys are just a bunch of dumbass Aussies. So that's that I can't forget. What's the word for a white trash Aussie person? Bogans. Bogan. Yeah, Bogan. Yeah. Bo- Ken Stone is the one who actually started all this mess. Actually, I don't think it was. Did we have Aussies here before Ken or was Ken before the jump package Aussies? Yeah, I think there there were definitely some Aussies around before Ken. But I, I do feel like that was all a similar time frame. But, you know, what got that? Uh, I don't even remember the name of the cartoon that he introduced us to. Do you, you know uh, what I'm talking about? God dang it. Siggy Butt Brain. Yes, that's uh, that one. Yeah. Uh, Damo and 
Come on, come on, you stupid I, Aussies I, whose names we won't say. Tell me what it is. I don't remember, but that that got a lot of those uh, those words. In How mind. good I see you watching us. I ain't saying your name. F you. Hey, Jack, uh, look oh, up I miss you. I love you. I'll say your name. Siggy Butt Brain. How do you spell Demo, Siggy? Siggy, C-I-G-G-Y. Cigarette, Siggy you Butt Brain. fucking uh, Siggy Butt Brain. Siggy, yeah, Damo and... Uh, Damo and Darren. Damo and Darren, that's the names, yeah. Okay. Um, this, <laughs> I really feel like this cartoon got me far more acquainted with uh, Australian culture. <laughs> I want to watch it. Have you seen any? Da- yeah, it's familiar. It's like the Aussie... Uh, Why don't you... Beavis and Butthead. For one second, try not being such a fuckwit. <laughs> Isn't that what... I think that's in there. Anyway, great, great stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I love so, jump package. I want to talk a little bit more about because lots of people fantasize about being on the jump package. Uh, how have you noticed your skill set change in the in the almost twelve months that you've been doing this? Uh, there's been a lot of progress made. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched you land the parachute the other day, a saber three. Yes. What size is it? A ninety-seven. She did a 90 degree turn on the final. Um, I think it was dominantly in harness. I'm not it 100% sure. It was just a heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it planed out uh, reasonably close to the. Gr- Do it look like she was swooping for a second there? Do you realize that? Was that an intent? Uh, a little. Yeah. No, it looked good. Thanks. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, the day I was coaching Steph, you, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you remember one landing that stood out. To compare to the rest of them for yourself, because the rest of them I saw was a little bit higher. That was the lowest of them, uh, in a good way. The lowest of them it was really a lot closer to the ground, and you had a little bit more perception of speed. And uh, I started watching you land the rest of the day. I was like, "Holy shit, Katie, you're doing well." Thank you. What else have you progressed in? What skill sets? I've been working on angles a little bit and some vertical flying. Just trying to dial in all the basics, really. One thing that's been fun to watch is you and Alex. Alex and you have done, you guys packed together for uh, a year on the packing mat. So it was a very natural evolution for you guys. Both went to the jump package. Like, hey, we've already worked together. Let's work together in free fall. And you two have done a lot of dedicated jumps together, right? Mm. Um, it was fun because at the beginning of the year, I, I asked you guys about that. And you both uh, very quickly uh, were like, man, it's we couldn't figure out a better way to learn than to jump with the same person over and over again. Is it true that you're on team AK-47? <laughs> What? <laughs> That's their team name. What? I dude, I AK hang out with forty seven. Alex, Katie. Oh, Where's the forty seven come from? I don't know. Just I, I feel like I, I you feel like actually I, came up with. Yeah, it. I feel like I had an explanation for the number at first, but it's been a long year. I feel like I'm part of the team now because I'm forty seven. AK forty seven. Yeah. There you go. Um, you can be the financial support uh, after the jump package runs out. Until you together uh, forty seven. Oh no, because you no. turned forty eight on. Uh, no, I'll be forty seven this month. I was trying. Oh, to you're about to turn forty seven. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and I, dude, I'm all, I'm getting taken care of. What do you mean I'm going to take care of somebody else? I'm the gold digger here. No, you're the sponsor. You said I'm forty seven. Yeah, you're pl- you're the link in the team now. You claimed it. Got a sponsor. Damn it! Right now. They're and they're both going to be off the package at the end of the year. Okay, same, I'll tell you what, Katie. I'll give you a job as your birthday. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you a job. Um, <laughs> uh, man, now you. Now I'm in trouble. Now I'm in trouble. Um, AK forty seven. What have you guys been working on? You said angles and stuffs. Yeah, it, at the at the start of the year, it was uh, getting head down, pretty dialed in, and trying to do bigger jumps. Except for Alex hates static. Yeah, yeah, he does. He uh he he claimed it to be the bane of his existence the other day. <laughs> you we were standing. At, you remember that? 
Yeah, I do remember that. That was neat to see for me because Alex is a very uh, put-together fella. And I've never really seen much frustration or aggravation out of him. Um, you live with him, so you probably have. Uh, I saw a lot of aggravation in Alex when he was talking about his static flying. Um, I think it was just an off day. He's really yeah. not that bad. But how well he composed it when he was aggravated is what impressed me. Oh, okay. You could see that he was just so perturbed by his inability to do what he wanted to do, but how he was able to be like... Yeah, I feel like he still talks about his frustrations very objectively, like that he's talking about the feelings that he he's having, but isn't like at the you know he's not subject to experiencing what most of us experience when we have those feelings. I like it. He's, he just put finished putting together a camera setup. Mm-hmm. Oh, exciting thing! He sold his first tandem video today. What? Right? Isn't that great? Man. So he he started chasing tandems not long ago, and he's coming along real fast. I love seeing that. I um. Uh, yeah, Alex is a good dude. He is really put together for somebody any age. Imagine when he's going to be our ages. I- anything else you guys were working on? You said you've progressed over the year. Yeah. When I was the last time you just wanted a good belly jump? Man, it's been a little bit. I honestly don't really remember. Man, I've right chased now. a handful of uh, not quite 100 jump wonders, but people in the... You know, 50 to a couple hundred uh, jump experience level. Mm-hmm. Man, it is so fun. Belly flying is so fun. It's so great. I feel like uh, it's one thing that I don't totally suck at in skydiving, so I enjoy it. I th- it's fun to go out with those young jumpers and, like, you can be a mediocre belly flyer and those fun jumpers think you're a shredder. And to go out there and fly with them and make them feel accomplished and give them extra points that they probably wouldn't have got turning with their friends. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction and gratification from that part of, I like when you say do those jumps. Steven actually taught me this trick. I, I don't think intentionally taught it, but I watched Steven do it. Uh, Steven will go into the loading area, not uncommonly, and find a group and go like, hey, what are you guys doing? Can I join you? It's at his recommendation that I've done exactly this thing, yeah. and it's it's a ton of fun. And it's and it's he, he and he never picks the shredders to do it to. He always picks somebody who would never think a guy like Stephen Boyd would pick, unless you know Stephen and you know that's who he's going to pick. And it's so cool to watch their their joy, their pleasure, their satisfaction they get from jumping with their heroes. Um, you realize you're their heroes, Katie, don't you? That's oh, that's Katie Vandal. She's that bad bitch tandem instructor. She learned how to shred on the jump package. Mm. Oh, my God. It's it's something that... Uh, <laughs> that seems to make you really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's something that uh, I hope you can come to terms with because it is weird. Um, a buddy of ours, Adam uh, Schmucker, and I were talking about this just yesterday, how people will sometimes say that or make you feel awkward or put it in, in kind of a weird place. But the, the thing that I always try to remember is I don't want to devalue or to take away from their feelings or their emotions and so i mean yeah you think this really awkward weird thing about me but man you know what why is your feelings and your emotions not valid as well so get used to it people i i don't think you realize how much people look up to you period recently i shared uh with you my personal input and value of you right um i'll I'll say it publicly you are one of the people i respect the most in my life um, there, there are a lot of people in my life I have a lot of respect for. Stephen Boyd is a very good friend. We had a great talk today. I have a lot of respect for Stephen. Nick Law is a piece of shit. 
um, who I have. So t- you can tell he's being honest. Uh, who I have tons of respect for. My wife, Valerie, uh, you are amongst these people. You are a absolutely powerhouse of a human being. Oh, thank you. So please understand that people see that, not just us. Nick, would you agree? A lot of people. 100%. Feel- yep. Yeah. <laughs> Elsa, what did you just Elsa? I'm like raising my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then packers, they look up to you because your ability to pack is godlike to most jumpers. You realize you can outpack almost anybody on the drop zone at any given day. Take all the other packers away and get a packing contest with any of us. You all pack almost every of us, every one of us. You realize that, right? Maybe a few. It is interesting to see that like uh you you leaving, you know, starting on the packing floor, leaving as an editor who uh, you know, didn't have a ton of information about gear. And then you'll come and see something that I like. I've asked you about closing other people's rigs now. And it's like, man, you have this knowledge base that's surpassed a lot of the people that have been skydiving a lot longer than you have far higher jump numbers than you, which is super neat. Yeah. But St- Stephen and I, I, I don't remember the first time we talked about how how much you needed to get your your tandem rating. I was like, man, what a great tandem instructor Katie Van Lowe would be. One because you're you're kind and patient and understanding and fun, and two it's like uh, I think having someone like you, a skinny, pretty young girl, who uh, does a really great job of, of doing tandems, I think that that would uh, really open other people's eyes up to. Oh, I could be a, g- a great tandem instructor too. So I'm super excited for you to be uh, showing up, dudes, twice your size, and I don't think that's far off. I, I love that. I love that Aaron's a TI. I love that you're a TI. And I love that we have God, two, two powerhouses of tandem instructors and ladies here because uh, you, you don't have to listen to the show long to know how I feel about strong, independent women. Um, I'm really driven and, and motivated and admire strong, independent women. And I think both you and Aaron personify that. Uh, you're absolutely a powerhouse of a human being. So uh, I can't wait to see the influence you have over other ladies. There are going to be ladies who do their tandems for the first time. They will either jump with you or see you, and more importantly, they'll see you taking guys who are bigger than you. And these ladies, at some point, there will be a tandem instructor on this DZ who says, I saw Katie take a dude on a tandem, and that's why I, I knew I could do it. I saw this, this blonde girl doing it. I knew I could take care of business. So uh, I hope you realize how much people look upon you and how much people admire you. And my favorite thing about you is you have no clue. Um, yeah, no pressure, but don't mess <laughs> this up. You and Valerie are two of the very most modest people I know. Um, and and it's, it's, it's odd because the people who think the best of themselves are usually not. And the people who think the least of themselves usually are the opposite. Um, I'll quote Steve Sr. I know she's going to be a great tandem instructor. Aww. That's what he said about you. So uh, keep it up. Keep it up. Um Jump package. Were you done with we, the jump package? No, I was going to ask. You got three more weeks of jump package left. What uh, What are you going to check off the list that's going to make you feel like, man, I've done it. Man, I did the jump package. Is there? Is are there any goals out there in the attainable uh, attainable future here in three weeks? Not really. How about if you thought <coughs> about your perspective at the beginning of the year? If you were thinking, okay, I want to do this, this, and this. What were those things? Well, I wanted to get my tandem rating. I wanted to hit a thousand jumps before I hit, got my tandem rating. How many jumps do you have now? Um, about eleven hundred. Okay, so you did that. Um, I wanted to have more jumps on the jump package, but with you know the, the yeah. two month break, that no kind of cut into it. No so one I was saw just, the Rona coming. Yeah, I was. I was just hoping <laughs> to break even at that point, and I did that. Um, so I'm. I'm pretty 
happy with it overall. Was there anything that you had in mind specifically skill-wise if I want to be able to do this thing? There are definitely a lot of people that I've seen in the past, like people that you would look up to <coughs> and you're like, oh, those people are really good flyers. I don't know if I'll ever be able to fly with them. And I've found myself on these jumps with these people this year and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like I never thought I would get to jump with these people. Like and it's like who? Um, so Cody Prentice, I think is one of them. Very focused flyer. Yeah. He's, he's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cody Edgeworth, he came on a few jumps, <coughs> and I learned a lot from those guys. Um, Cody's very picky about who he flies with, and I don't mean that in a bad way. He values the money he puts into jumps, and he wants to make the most of every skydive. Yeah. If he's skydiving with you, it says a lot. Adam, he's been out quite a bit. Chimita? Yeah. He's he, been really good, too, this year as well. Yeah, hey, I've watched him lately. He seems like he's come such a long way, man. It looks like he's got a lot of good information. He's helping people out a lot. Mm-hmm. Nice. Anybody else? I <coughs> there's there's quite a few people, yeah, I would say, but I think those are like some of the few that I've definitely was like, oh man, these people are such good flyers. I don't know if I'll ever jump with these people and be on be able to fly with them, you know. Yeah. The downside for the jump package for you this year was Spaceland has run it. This is what, your number five now? Nick, do you know? It's five or six. I remember seeing the names uh, really, really recently because we were having discussions about um, about this year's jump package. I feel like this is your number six, but I could be wrong. So over the year, Spaceland's done it. The package has grown and, and grown so much that at some point you have to highly consider sustainability of the program. So unfortunately for you, you came into the year that realization came to light. So the jump package was a lot more expensive this year. Now that you've gone through it, would you recommend it to somebody else? Yeah, I would. Yeah? Yeah. It's um, a fun experience. You were, you're unique, not, not alone. Unique is the fact that you're one of a small handful of people who came onto the package for the first time as a known jumper here. Um, most of the jumpers who show up at the package are from elsewhere. They're not from here. They're, they're not, they're new to us and they learn so much just being in the community, being involved in the jumping side of the community more. You, you've doubled your jump numbers, over doubled your jump numbers. Do you feel like you've exposed yourself to a different light? Do you feel like the package has given you a different perspective on the sport? Mm, yeah, I, wow. I would say so. I mean, in what way? Um, I mean, it's uh, all, go ahead. I don't know how to. <laughs> you can't put it to words. No, not really. I mean, it's a weird question to ask because I, I'm a little shocked to hear this. You work and live full time in the sport. Yeah. You, your closest friends are all jumpers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hang out with jumpers. You live in a house that jumpers pass through and travel through. You have had multiple roommates for jumpers. Um, but yet this still has changed your perspective a little bit. That's cool to hear. It's cool to hear. It's a, it's an experience that um I don't think I'll ever get, um and it's an experience that most people will never get. And it's an experience I'm I'm not really envious of because I I'm, I have difficulty with that with that emotion, um but I'm definitely envious of. I think it's super cool that you guys have got to do this. 
uh, any Th- advice? This is the sixth year. Sixth Two- year? 2015 was the first year that we offered it. So before I ask this next question, I got to ask Nick, you just said we're talking about the next year's jump package. Is mm-hmm. the jump package coming back to Skydive Spaceland? It's going to it's gonna be around this next year, yep. Awesome. Any advice you would give to any of those jumpers coming in besides avoid COVID? You know, uh, Christy and Scott Latinus together have put together uh, put together a, a web page here. It's the Unlimited Jump Package Survival Guide. Mm. It has a, a lot of really good advice about places to stay. Um, you know, and and what each uh, you know there there are five soon to be six names on this list of you know people whose stories we've got to hear. Um, you know, uh, Andy Doyne was the was the the person who made the most jumps the first year. And then uh, Josh Pettit made the most jumps this uh, last year in, in 2019. Uh, Josh Pettit, Henry Guyver, Glenn Downing, Royce Wilson, those are all names that should stand out to you. Yeah. <laughs> and those people have all kind of added in their own little advice about uh, what worked well for them. I'm going to predict Nate Shane is this year's yeah. uh, most jumps yeah, by he, far. He's, he's ahead. He's ahead for sure. He is. Um, if you don't see him here for the first load, y- you just probably weren't looking hard enough. <laughs> He, uh, it's not uncommon. He shows up right as the first one is getting ready to go, but man, he that boy is hungry. He wants to up and skydive. How many jumps has he made? Does anybody know? I think it was just over eleven hundred last last time I saw it with COVID. I I, I yeah. think mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that number does that sound about right that to you? That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's crazy. What advice would you give to somebody coming in on the package, Katie? Just enjoy it. I don't know. Do as, as many jumps as you can. Try to learn as much as you can. Any advice on type of jumps to make? Um, I guess it all really depends on what the person wants to do with the package. Fair. Make it your own, you know. If you have goals, go after them. If you're just doing it for a good time, just go on as many jumps as you can with all your friends. I think Mr. Dobbins is the perfect example of make it your own. Um, what's Mr. Dobbins' real name, Dobby? Oh, Mike. Mike, thank you. Uh, you made the stickers. You should know, Missy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dobby, uh, he saw it as a large vacation that he got away in and had a few drinks. He did make his money back on the package. He did get more than his fair, fair share of jumps, but he took the laid back, let me kick back on be on vacation for a year versus uh, Glenn Downing, who just jumped his booty off, man. Did you see he got engaged? I did he see that. Engaged. Yeah, those two, man. I'm so happy for both of them, man. Um Make it your own. I think that's super fair. How many of your skydives this year, what percentage of your skydives this year have been larger than four-way? Mm. Maybe about 10% of the jumps. Have been larger than four-way? I would say. Is that by design? Um, not really. Um, may, it might even be more than 10%, but I feel like most of them have been like two, three, maybe tops four-ways because like there's only six people on the jump package. So there's usually only four of us on the dro- on the drop zone all at the same time. Yeah. JD is on the jump package? Yes. And he's not here most of the time lately. He is actually in Florida now doing angle camps. Okay. Um, Logan, who is hit and miss. Yeah, he, he, he comes and goes. Yeah. yeah. A part of it is, is he's got to work and he works with his dad's company. Uh, then Alex, you, Nate, and Pettit. Yes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a limited rotation. Mm-hmm. So um, I really uh, thought it might be, and I know uh, talking to Alex, I, I spent tons of time with him. Uh, one of his designs was to do smaller groups only, and it was for the learning curve of the redundancy of jumping with the same people over and over again. And in smaller groups, you're working more refined skills. Larger groups, you're busy waiting, hanging out. It's not as productive. So I, w- I was curious how you felt about that part of it. Um, how many two ways this year? 
I, <laughs> I, I don't know. 300 plus. Yeah, right. <laughs> God, two wins are my favorite jump still. Man, there's just, there's, it's so much fun. Just You're focused on this one other person, and the goal mm-hmm. of the jump is just to have fun. It's just to tackle them. Yeah, that's sure. <laughs> just to go push them around it, the sky. It, extreme sky hugging. I did shove you the last <laughs> jump we did together, didn't I? <laughs> the look on your face. Man, I thought I was getting away with it, too. Remember the <laughs> day I came out and did some hop and pops on that Sabre 3? Yes. Uh, we started late because of the weather, and Nick's like, I come down from my second one. I planned to make uh, a, a couple more, but the day was late. Nick's like, hey, man, you making our hop up? Oh, I was thinking about it, but I'm going home a little bit late. Oh, never mind. Why? Well, I was going to join you. Uh, but no, leave. You know, Nick, he's never going to put anybody out. So I immediately was like, fuck you. I'm going to go manifest this. I go manifest this. He's like, sure, let's go. We go do a two-way uh, flower exit. And I just suggest let's flower exit. We'll fly it if it's there. You know, when we're done, we'll just break off and track off and we're good. And as we leave, he immediately grabs my other arm and breaks it into a round. I'm like, okay. I honestly thought when he did that, that he was going to help trim me out, that I was a little bit issue because I'm not the best on my head. Um, a big part is my lack of currency. So I thought he was about to help me. Like I was like, okay, what's up? And immediately as he gets this opened up and he gets my chest squared away, he drops both grips and just shoves me in the chest <laughs> like a little fucking bully, man. Um, and then when he does this, I'm stoked because I actually don't cork. I mean, I knowing me, I probably very well could have and should have. I actually stay in a relatively same area. Nick starts to bust a 360, but I see only the first 180. So now I think he's breaking off. So now I have these speed wobbles like, what the fuck's going on? Okay, wait a minute. So he's breaking off. So now I got to turn. Okay, wait. And no, wait a minute. He's coming back to me. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> I do remember turning back around and being surprised that you were still where you were. <laughs> Dude, you weren't the only one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, th- I thought I was going to shove you and I thought I was going to turn around and laugh at you <laughs> flopping away on your belly. That's what I thought I would see. <laughs> I didn't win. Uh, Not that I, round. I'll tell you what. It, it was uh, well worth the shove, dude. It was funny. It was a good time. Um, an easiest way to get Nick to skydive with you is to go ask him to go do a two-way. It's Go do a two-way. I love a two-way. Katie, you want to do a two-way while you're still on the jump package? Yes. Great. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a, like a favorite jump from this year with as many as you've done? Is there one that stands out? It's like, man, this is this was it. There's There's a few. Like those aha moments, you're like, oh man, this it's is working. Yeah, <laughs> I did that thing that was impossible before. Yeah, I think those are the type of jumps that stand out the most. When something works, when yeah, it clicks. Yeah, when something works. What was the last thing that clicked? Oh man, it's been a minute. Um, That's not what I want to hear. I want to <laughs> hear it's happening every day. I don't jump every day. <laughs> You jumped today. I did jump today. Did s- did some angle stuff today. What's up, Maddie? Are you working more on belly stuff or back stuff on angles? Belly stuff. I want to do some some coaching on my back because I'm a little nervous. I guess that's a reasonable way to feel. Yeah. H- have you uh, flown any tunnel time this year? I remember you had a, a Utah trip lined up. Did that happen? No, actually, it was a. It was supposed to be a Russia trip. Oh, Russia! Then COVID that's right. happened, yeah. and then, then that canceled the whole happen. world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went to the tunnel and flew with KDP at the beginning of the year because mm-hmm. Alex had never been to the tunnel, so we went and made a a day out of that. Did some belly stuff then, and that that was about the extent of my tunnel time this year. It really feels like people who learn angles in the sky first are usually stronger on their belly, like you. And then uh, idiots who learn how to free fly in the tunnel are usually stronger on their back. Describing myself, of course. 
But uh, say that whole thing again. People who learn um, in the tunnel, like uh, in face head down carving in the tunnel, is one of the easier things to start. So facing the center of the tunnel, think about carving on your back, looking towards the center of the tunnel. In face, head down, carving. Yep. That is a really similar uh, body position to how you're, you're, you're the shape of you when you're flying on your back at an angle. You're basically carving without the turn. Sure. So I can see that. So people who have that in face carving skill that they learned in the tunnel uh, generally translate that to uh, back angles uh, without too much effort. But people who were skydiving and going on um, on uh, angles have the belly experience already, and now they just start to find that pitch. And those are usually the people that become. Just uh, this is totally anecdotal. Maybe maybe uh, other people have had a different experience of this, but just uh, generalizing, those are the people who seem to uh, be stronger belly flyers. So one of my goals this year, pre-COVID, was I wanted to start flying some angles. I don't know how interested I am. I want to go fly angles, but COVID just for the longest time. It wasn't until October till I'd even get on the airplane. So I'm still interested. It's still not something I've lost sight of, and there's still a couple people I have in mind to talk to about. And I was thinking about this, I think, two days ago. Uh, angle flying, should I start on my belly? Should I start on my back? I've actually heard people argue both. What you're making actually makes it more sense because I've done shitloads of tracking jumps. So for me, it makes sense that I think I want to be on my belly, but I've heard friends tell me that's the hardest way to learn. But what you're saying kind of connects more dots to me. Which one were you doing, Angles? Uh, belly. I heard that belly is also the hardest, so I was like, oh, I'm going to tackle that one first it's, and it's get the hard thing out mo- of the way. Like more active, like back flying. It, I think you, you're more of a not a relaxed position, but it stays this like you stay. It's easier to keep the same straight flat position on your back and on your belly is a lot more engaged. There's a lot more of this going on, knees moving and dropping yeah. on your belly. Until you get on your to back, be, you know, basically those high-level dudes whose knees and hips never bend, and you only see them change their arms. They're from Europe. <laughs> Named Tex. Or te- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Tex is European now, isn't he? I, at some point, I told him I'm going to stop calling him Tex and start calling him Euro. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't accept that. Mm. He, he wasn't okay with that. He said that's what makes Tex even more ironic is that he's in Europe all the time. Uh, of course, he's been stuck in America this year as well. So, Katie, as we get going, uh, one of my favorite things about you is just watching you grow through the sport, watching you come in here as a first-time tandem student with Uncle Mike, uh, getting back in the sport and, and jumping, getting your license, becoming a video a video editor, a packer, now becoming a tandem instructor and videographer. What advice would you give to a young jumper who thinks they want to follow the same path you followed? I feel like it's a pretty good path to follow. Like doing that that type of uh, progression, yeah. you get to see a lot of things on the ground, learn a lot, learn a lot of a lot of things, and uh, I don't know, just get as familiar with the sport as you can before you start. Fair to say, you went through the people. immersive path. I yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Learn by learn by immersion. Um, w- just because you've been around the drop zone for. 10 years doesn't mean you know what you're doing. Uh, people tell me all the time I saw it on YouTube. Like, yeah, I watch a lot of Pornhub. I'm still bad at sex. <laughs> um, <laughs> give me a break. Tell me it's not true. Uh, no, it's super true. <laughs> Man. What, how do you know I'm bad at sex? Because I've talked to your sex. wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but there's for sure something that you get through the immersion of the sport. Um, be open. I think you are one of the most open individuals I've met. As far as learning goes, you you're, you listen to anybody. Uh, anything else you want to share with your friends, family, people watching, listening, or paying a space attention? 
Facebook attention. Nothing I can think of. Yeah. You stare at you like my Mr. Roger shoes. Yeah, I noticed that you've been wearing those slippers recently. Uh, so we have tile floors, and a it's and you're an old man, and you're worried about falling. No, they're effing cold. And you, you're I've fallen, and I can't get up. Your your what's that thing called? A metal your, alert. Yes. Yeah, your metal yeah. alert bracelet is out of batteries, so you're wearing slippers to be safe. So a the floor is effing cold, and it trans it goes straight up your feet because the whole house is tile, and b it hurts your feet walking on tile all day long and standing around. Have those slippers ever been outside? No. So uh, maybe like the on the front porch, Valerie and I would wear slippers, real slippers, but they would wear out so quickly. So we recently both bought Skechers that are slip-on shoes, and I have indoor shoes and outdoor shoes. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to start bringing some slippers. <laughs> for sure. I Like, no, for real, I'm like Mr. Rogers. I come home, I take a jacket off, I put my house hoodie on, which is yeah. hanging on the back of your chair right now. And then you put your house shoes on. I put my house on. shoes on, and I'm no, no, sh- dude, this is one of the only times I'm not wearing a hoodie in this house is during this show because this room is so effing hot. Uh, if you guys aren't here and everything's not on and this door's open, it's cold in here and I have to put a jacket on. I'm old. Oh, no Mr. circulation. Rogers. I have to get my reading glasses, my shawl, wear a scarf sometimes. (laughs) You look old. That's all I know. (laughs) By the way, not joking about the I wear a scarf sometimes. You wear a scarf in the house? Every now, when it gets like really cold, dude. Like, um, You have a space heater? Yeah, right there. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yep, it's right there. Especially when you're like sitting at a computer because you're not moving. So then you get colder because you're just sitting here not like doing anything. See, the girl gets it. same problem. Yeah. I'm actually since I got I actually put really nice chairs on that wheel so I could put carpet under that really nice wheels on chairs that chair <laughs> on that wheel. <laughs> I put some really nice like so you can buy rollerblade wheels to put on your office chairs and they roll on carpet really well. So I actually bought some rollerblade style wheels for that so I could actually put an area rug under there so I don't have to be on cold floor all day long. I uh, Katie knows I use this more as a standing desk than anything else, and uh, it's good to have you know good comfortable support. I, I am admiring your PD Argyle socks. Those those oh, I, am, I am jealous of. These things, those I are love good these looking. things, man. The only thing I don't like about these socks is I wear like no seam ankle socks when I'm wearing shorts. Oh, you mean like my Invisa socks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I I'm spent wearing forty dollars on socks, I don't wear long socks. But dude, these socks are so dope. Uh, Madison Varner bought me sushi socks because she knows I like sushi. Those were awesome. And I actually wear those all the effing time, man. I wear my sushi socks all the time, particularly if I'm going to sushi. So my legs look <laughs> like uh, salmon or tuna or you something. You know how crazy that sounds? I'm going to wear my sushi socks to sushi. That sounds like something a serial killer would say. Or a 14-year-old. I'm 12. Yeah, which one are you? Are you a 12-year-old stuck in a 46-year-old man's body, or are you murdering people on your way to sushi? Don't go to the other room. <laughs> oh, it's getting so weird over here. Uh, Is it done? Are we done? Are we, we are done, Mr. P. <laughs> Mr. P, anything else you need to share, Mr. Uh, Katie, man, I'm so happy that you're part of the Drop Zone. It's uh, You're one of those people who brightens my day every time I see you, so please keep doing that. Katie, keep it up. Uh, she has also, I mentioned, joined the team to help uh, with the rating center stuff. I really appreciate what you've done there. Guys and gals, if you're ever emailing us, uh, you're probably talking to Katie, not me, which is 10 times better than talking to me. She's way smarter <laughs> and better looking. Miss, Miss, uh, what's your face over there? Elsa, what's your name? No. Um, oh, by the way, I remember where LJ come from. That's what uh, old, um Knucklehead calls you. Uh, Option Studios. Adam. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah Adam. Oh, okay. When you first joined the show, Adam referred to you as LJ in the comments one time, and that's why it stuck in my head. Oh, I had um, no idea. Yeah, Elsa, what you got? Um, nothing. I, I agree with Nick. I really enjoy 
every time I see you at the DZ. No. <laughs> Guys and gals, get to know more about Katie Van Lowe. Come visit her at the Drop Zone. Go to lbltimeters.com. She is actually the uh, cover girl for one of the uh, front page slides there. So I'm going to show that. Show that. Oh, my God. That is a epic photo right there. Do you know the photo we're showing right now? Where you're pensive. The, the one with your <laughs> hand on oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Daniel's yeah, actually, very talented. <laughs> yeah, Daniel did those photos, uh, but he had some good subjects. Daniel and Gula. A good, a good handful of you. Um, white girl, play some funky music. Get us out of here. That's Guys cool. and gals, uh, we are going to try to get one more show in next week before the uh, Christmas holiday. We'll take a little bit of a break, and uh, then we'll be back. Christy West, actually, we talked. We'll be booking her in January. We have some dates set aside, and I'll let you know when. Till then, where am I? Well, who's it going to be next week? I have no clue. I haven't thought that far ahead. We have a good list of names to talk to. It's your turn. You pick them. Okay, I'll pick somebody. You got it. I pick Katie. Katie, you're coming back. <laughs> that was easy. Bam. That was super easy. <laughs> what about Elsa? Can I pick Elsa? She's been on the show recently. We kind of went through like a, we want at least a year between Oh, guests. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, we'll find somebody. Valerie. I, dude, I think it would be really fun to put Valerie and Sam on the couch and have me at the board and you in that seat. It's never going to happen. I think Sam would do it. Yeah, Valerie. It's never going to happen. Now the show's over. The show's over now. Okay, bye. Are we on the air still? Is this real life? (laughs) Is this real life? What's that from?